Talk Radio 77 WABC. WABC New York and 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. For my friends. 77 WABC. Would you support Israeli occupation of Gaza at this point? I think it'd be a big mistake. Look, what happened in Gaza, in my view, is Hamas and the extreme elements of Hamas don't represent all the Palestinian people. And uh, I think that... uh, it would be a mistake to, uh, for Israel to occupy Gaza again. We did, but to going in and taking out the, uh, the extremists, the, uh, Hezbollah is up north, but Hamas down south is a necessary requirement. Do you believe that Hamas must be eliminated entirely? Uh, yes, I do. But there needs to be a Palestinian authority. There needs to be a, a path to a Palestinian state. The greatest ally that terrorists have in the United States is the American media. Just as it was the greatest ally of the Nazis by covering up the Holocaust, the American media has Jewish and other blood on its hand and has for decades and decades and decades. And it seems like they don't take a corrective course either, do they? Let's reignite our college campuses to be beacons of hope and opportunity and not beacons when we're producing hateful thoughts and mindsets. Then let's damn the river of our entertainment industry. Far too many sports figures and entertainers are using these new terminologies of credible messengers and influencers to spew out hateful thinking in general, but specifically anti-Semitism. Let's bring them to the table and say, use your influence and your power to make sure that you reach and prick the consciousness of young people across the globe. On Capitol Hill, House Republicans are hoping to vote on a House Speaker Tuesday. That will be two weeks since they voted to oust previous House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan is currently nominated, but right now it is unclear whether he will be able to get the 217 votes needed to secure the spot. Without a Speaker, the House cannot make any decisions. Come and knock on our door. The sitcom Three's Company made Suzanne Summers a TV superstar in the late 1970s. Well, today we learned Summers died at her home in Palm Springs, California, after a long fight against breast cancer. She was also a successful businesswoman, revealing just last year that she made nearly $300 million marketing her Thighmaster workout device. Suzanne Summers was 76. She died one day before her birthday. 39 at the 46. Hurts facing a four-man rush over the middle. It's intercepted. Picked off by Tony Adams. Adams on the run. Breaking tackles. Tossed down inside the 10. On first down into the end zone. Brees Hall in for the touchdown. And the Jets take the lead. And the season is reborn for the New York Jets. Their first win against the Eagles in the history of the franchise. And they do it 20-14. to 
Phil Collins in the air tonight. I can feel it coming in the air tonight. It's a lot of things I feel from that open put together once again so well by the executive producer, Justin Ellick. He does it every morning, does a great job, and finds a way to include all the big stories. Now, obviously, the weekend, it's a long weekend. It's a long open. Everything from the conflict in Israel, the Gaza Strip, Joe Biden, courtesy of CBS on 60 Minutes last night, that big House vote coming up for the Republicans tomorrow. Suzanne Summers, one of the folks uh, that I enjoyed on my favorite night of television when I was growing up, Tuesday nights. I've been over this a million times. When I was a young boy, there was nothing like Channel 7 ABC on Tuesday nights. You had Happy Days at 8 o'clock, Laverne and Shirley at 8.30, 3's Company, Suzanne Summers' show at 9. Then for a while they had a show on 9 to 5 with uh, Dolly Parton at 9.30. And then one of my favorite crime dramas of all time, Heart to Heart with Robert Wagner and Stephanie, oh, come on, Stephanie Powers. She was with William Holden. He was with Natalie Wood. Heart to Heart was on at 10 o'clock with Lionel Stander, who played Max, who said, and I quote, you're already laughing, Lewis, their hobby was Mida. Heart to Heart. So uh, Suzanne Summers is gone. She died the day before her birthday, which is today. She would have been 77. You believe she made $300 million on the Thighmaster? $300 million. Unbelievable. I still use it. You still do, don't you? Yeah. Well, you got a great ass. That's right. Everybody knows that. Well, now people yeah. know the secret. You have a gorgeous buttocks. Yeah. I try to accentuate it when I can. Yeah. Thanks to Suzanne. <laughs> yeah. And then the Jets. I mean, just unbelievable. You know, they, they, the Eagles were winning most of the way. They jumped out to the early 7 nothing lead. But the Jets held on all game long. And you know what happens? You let those teams stick around. Same thing with the Cleveland Browns and San Francisco 49ers yesterday. And the next thing you know, you've got a major upset. Even the Giants almost did that last night. Now, the Giants are so bad, and they're down to the backup quarterback, Tyrod Taylor, that they couldn't do what the Browns and the Jets did. They still lost to the Buffalo Bills 14-9. to But all these huge underdogs yesterday came up big, and now you've got five teams that are now 5-1 and one early in the NFL season. No more unbeatens. We started yesterday with two unbeatens, the Niners, of course, they lost once again to Cleveland and the Eagles, who lost to the Jets. So those two teams are now 5-1. and one. Three teams did improve to 5-1 and one this week, starting Thursday with Kansas City, the reigning Super Bowl champions. The other two teams that won yesterday, the Lions beat the Buccaneers in Tampa Bay. Don't look now, but Dan Campbell and the Lions are a legitimate Super Bowl threat. They're 5-1, and one, and the Dolphins. Dolphins fell behind the Carolina Panthers at home in Miami, 14 to nothing, and went on to outscore Carolina 42 to 7 the rest of the way for an easy 42-21 win. So Miami improves to 5 and 1. Huge matchup coming up this week, the Eagles and the Dolphins. But we wrap up NFL Week 6 tonight with the Cowboys and the Chargers on Monday Night Football. But of course, all that pales in comparison to importance of what's going on in Israel. I think I saw this morning, according to the IDF, there are now 199 hostages 
I don't believe personally the United States has any plan. They're like, listen, we can't tell, we can't talk about it. We got to be very tight lipped about it. But I just don't believe there's really a plan. I'll go to my uh, news guy, Noam Layden, who was always talking to folks on the ground in Israel and New York. Do you have any confidence that between the Israelis and the Americans, they have any real plans of getting these people out? Because all I keep hearing almost every day is more and more are dying, according to Hamas, from the Israeli bombings. I heard as many as 20 may be dead. What are you hearing? The Americans have been pretty clear about the fact that they won't use any military might as of now to go in there and get these hostages. And they're pretty clear that they don't even know where they are and they don't know how many of them there are. Initially, they were throwing a number around 15, then 10. So they're not 100 percent how many are actually being held captive. They don't even know how many. No. (laughs) It's just unbelievable. So what did you think of uh, the president last night with uh, Scott Pelley, 60 Minutes? You know, he didn't use the word restrain, but clearly that was his message, that he does want Israel to wipe out Hamas. But, see, there's always a but, and I'm not sure if there can be a but. I mean, Israel gave these Palestinian people plenty of warning. Last I checked, on October the 7th, my people, our people, Noam, didn't get any warning. No. They showed up at 6 o'clock in the morning on a holiday, and they wiped us out. We gave these people days and days in advance. We still have not gone in. People say it's because of the weather. Nonsense. It's because Israel is trying to wait as long as they can for these people to leave based on what Biden wants, what the world wants. I got to tell you, at the risk of sounding really insensitive, I don't care. Nobody gave us warnings. We gave them warnings. It's been days and days my feeling is a lot of those folks are going to stay because Hamas is telling them to stay. And at that point, I've got zero sympathy for those people. Yeah, well, there's blockades. There's They can see them. There's blockades where Hamas terrorists are telling Gazans who are trying to get out of the way to go back. And uh, we heard reports this morning that at least 70 people who were trying to get out of northern Gaza to the south were murdered by Hamas militants. As They're they all people. So. They're yeah. the Palestinians. Yep. Yeah. And then, of course, you're hearing all the humanitarian issues, food, fuel, water, running out of medicine in hospitals. And, you know, again, these are a lot of these folks are innocent people. You kept hearing this after 9-11, right? I mean, not every Muslim is a bad person, even though it was Muslims who pulled off that attack. By the way, it was Muslims who also pulled off the Hamas attack. Is that not right? That's right. Yeah. But uh, they got to keep reminding us, our government officials, not every Muslim. I get it. Fine. You know, when a black person beats up a Jew, not every black guy is a bad guy. Oh, my God. I am so sick of hearing all that. Just don't 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 look for a reason at the time to do that. Just I'm not saying go out there and start killing everybody, but but it's the last thing I want to hear. The last thing I want to hear is restraints. Not every Muslim is bad. Not every Palestinian is bad. I want blood. I want blood. They took my people's blood. I want blood back. If that makes me a barbarian, I'm from Brooklyn. So what? I want it back. Why should my people suffer this horrible, horrible, uh, you know, uh, couple of days, and all we worry about is, oh, my God, please, 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 How is that okay? Oh, because we're better than that. That's why. I got it. We're better than that, right? We don't do those types of things. Is that why, Noam? Well, 
that's what Because my the, patience is starting to run very, very thin. Yeah, well, the Israeli military would tell you that. We're better than that. We're, our aim is not to kill civilians. It's to yeah. wipe out Hamas. And that's part of the reason they're waiting, no doubt. That's the main reason, I would think, right? I know they said weather. I got to imagine it's going to happen over the next couple of days, yes? They're not going to be intimidated by what Iran said a couple of days ago, which is once Israel starts this um, this ground attack, then Iran will have no um, no way not to intervene. But, of course, they've intervened already. Do you believe the American government is still, even last night, saying things like, there's no real proof Iran is involved? I mean, what side are we on uh, or not? No. Yeah, I Look, they've been involved in anything else. They've, for sure, there's no doubt they've been supplying Hamas with the components to make those crude rockets that they're shooting over to Israel. It's all coming from Iran. So now Joe Biden, who has set the Middle East on fire. I had a, an argument with a good friend of mine. He's a brilliant guy. I'm not going to say his name, but he's going on and on about Donald Trump. Why would Trump say that? I'm like, listen to me. I don't care what Trump says. Trump right now is irrelevant. Yes, he's running for president. Yes, hope hope to God he wins. It doesn't matter what he says. If you really care about the Israeli people, you would know, you would know, of course, that Israelis didn't die when Donald Trump was president. Not only that, the Abraham Accords, Israel was moving towards a peaceful solution with some of their enemies when Donald Trump was president. I don't care how inartful he was last week when he, by the way, told the truth, which is Hamas outsmarted Netanyahu. That's a fact. On and on about Trump, this mother effer, this Biden, he basically funded these people. Forget about the $6 billion. No restrictions, no sanctions, no enforcement, and Iran made more money the last two years in oil sales than they made in 20. And I got to hear about Donald Trump. There are people dead in the street, little babies beheaded because of Joe Biden's policies. And you're going to talk to me about what Donald Trump said, that Jimmy Kimmel is upset with Donald Trump, that Geraldo Rivera is upset with Donald Trump. I told this person when you start telling me the people who are angry, Kimmel, CNN, Geraldo Rivera, makes me even more steadfast in my support for Trump. Those animals. So Biden, who's done nothing but ruin the world, ruin the world, says he's looking forward to his second term so he can fix stuff. You can't make this up. Joe Biden cut seven, 60 minutes, courtesy of CBS. He's going to fix the world. Look, when I ran, I said, the world's an inflection point. The world's but changing. You. But we have an opportunity to make it. So imagine if we were able to succeed in getting the Middle East put in place where we have normalization of relations. I think we can do that. Imagine what happens if we, in fact, unite all of Europe and Putin is finally put down where he cannot cause the kind of trouble he's been causing. We have enormous opportunities, enormous opportunities to make it a better world. Here's uh, Biden talking about there's no clear evidence. What a moron. Well, he's not a moron. He's compromised. No clear evidence Iran is involved. Lewis, Joe Biden, cut number 10. I don't want to get into classified information, but to be 
very blunt with you, there is no clear evidence of that. At this point, no this evidence point. that Iran is behind any of this. Correct. Now, Iran constantly supports Hamas and Hezbollah. I don't oh. mean that. Yeah. But in terms of were they, did they have foreknowledge? Did they help plan the attack? There's no evidence of that at this point. Right. There's plenty of evidence, moron. And by the way, don't you worry because, you know, we got Israel, we got Ukraine, we've got all this going on. But Joe Biden, he got it. Don't worry, folks. U.S., we got it. We can do both at the same time. One more. Joe Biden, once again, 60 Minutes, courtesy of CBS. Cut number nine. We're the United States of America, for God's sake. (laughs) Of what? The most powerful nation in the history of the world, in the history of the world. What? The history of the world. We can take care of both of these and still maintain our overall international defense. We have the capacity to do this, and we have an obligation to. We are the essential nation, as former secretary And if we don't, who does? Did you understand no. even half of that? I, does he, I don't know what the country was that he yeah, said. I don't even know what he was saying. United States of America. Yeah. You know, when he does this thing, he like he slits his eyes and he barely moves his mouth. And he has this steely-eyed look, you know, the old grandpa there getting tough. And then he talks and you can't understand a word he's saying. Uncle, Not he, a word. He must have said something important. What was, I don't know what no, trust me, he didn't. All right, folks, we have an unbelievable guest list about to come your way. Our friend Liz Pip goes live in studio at some point this morning, but here we go. We go back live to Jerusalem. He was great last week. He'll be great again this week from the JNS. Live from Jerusalem, Alex Trayman coming up at 645, as he does every weekday morning, Curtis Sliwa. He's going to be here at 710. The editor of the National Review, the great witch Lowry, he'll be here at 740, his Monday morning spot. We go back again live to Israel. Dove Heikend was actually in a town in Israel this morning that was attacked by Hezbollah on Saturday night. Dove Heikend live from Israel coming up at 810. Lee Zeldin going to be here at 910. One of the stars on Fox News, Brett Baer, he'll be here at 930. But the big one for today coming up at 840, the feud is over. It's time for Big Jewish Voices to show solidarity and put silly differences aside. I had a long phone conversation yesterday afternoon on an NFL Sunday with the great one himself, Mark Levin, and he will join me coming up at 8.40 this morning. Huge Monday show, as only we do. Sitting friends in the morning, exclusively on Talk Radio 77, WABC.
know a girl. She puts the color inside of my world. Machines just like a maze, where all of the walls are continually change. And I've done all I can to stand on the steps with my heart in my hand. Now I'm starting to see maybe it's got nothing. To do with me, fathers bigger to your daughters. Daughters will love like you do. Girls become lovers who turn into mothers. So mothers bigger to your daughters too. You don't ever listen to the lyrics of this song. I'm a huge. John Mayer band, but having a 19-year-old daughter in Europe? What is having a 19-year-old daughter? I uh, <laughs> Words kind of freak me out to this song, but man, he is a terrific artist. John Mayer, and something tells me, Lou Ruffino, that we must be celebrating John Mayer in some way today. Now, I know he's not dead because he banged Jennifer Aniston, I think, just last week. Really? No, no, no. You got, those pic- you got those pictures. <laughs> yeah. He must be celebrating a John Mayer birthday today. Is that right? He uses Time Master, too, I think. He <laughs> yeah. used it. It's, uh, yeah. He's 46. 46. You know, the, another guy, Bob, you know, uh, Bob Weir? Bob Weir, one of the all-time greats. Seriously. <laughs> you don't know who Of course, in Rolling Stones. But wrong. <laughs> well, anyway, I could just look at any uh, spot in your face, and I know you're lying. You no, who, no, I do know Bob Weir. Come on, he's famous. They, this band made about 150 albums. I know, they're famous. Come on, he's a big deal. Grateful Dead. Grateful Dead, okay. I was and close. His birthday is today, too, and and John Mayer was played in the Grateful Dead for a while. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. He, he kind of, uh, yeah, he well, filled well, in. Well, not when Jerry Garcia was alive. No, of course, no. He Yo, wasn't since even playing then? guitar then. Yeah. No, I'm talking about he filled in, I think. No kidding. Uh, uh, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, those were the Dead & Co. shows. That's De- it. Dead & Company. Thank you, Justin. The Dead & what? Dead & Company. Dead & Company. The hell is that? It's just basically the I don't take any of these, but listen, there. once the lead singer's gone, well, Bob, like Journey, Steve okay. Perry, well, or Grateful different. Dead, it's all over. It's done. It's over. But you can still play uh, Shakedown Street today, if you want. I know you like trucking or one of yeah, those. Yeah, Bob Weir is a founding member. Oh, no, he's one of the big, uh, I knew the name, I knew he was one of the big classic bands. Yeah, well, when he left the Stones, he joined the Great Yeah, that's, what, that's right. what happened, that's thank what, you. Yeah, you're welcome. Stones, Dick, Stones, unbelievable. And Stones, and, Stones and Company, I think they called it. <laughs> so I get up early yesterday morning, and uh, really early for a Sunday, it was before 8 o'clock, and I got up early because I wanted to have some coffee, and I knew that at 9.30 yesterday morning there was an NFL game in London. The Baltimore Ravens and the Tennessee Titans. I like to watch those games. So I think we're done with London for a while. November 5th, they're going to play an NFL game in Frankfurt, Germany. In fact, two in a row on the 5th and the 12th as we continue to take the National Football League around the globe. I don't think the Gaza Strip will be a game for the NFL, but who knows. So I get up early to watch it, and I put Fox News on because I hate the NFL pregame shows. And who do I see at about 7.50 in the morning? Liz Pipko. So she's talking about the universities and the hate, and 
Liz, of course, is not just Jewish, but very Jewish, keeps kosher, you know, the whole thing. She's been in studio with us a million times. She'll be here today. So I text her. I go, wow, nice job. She goes, sixth time this week I've been on Fox News. Six times. So uh, congrats to Liz. Then I leave on Fox News, and they have their Sunday morning Fox and Friends show. And they've got Pete Hexeth, who I like, and Rachel Campos, very pretty girl, but I'm not, not a huge fan. And some other guy, I don't even know his name. And they bring on Mark Levin. And Levin, who, of course, is on this station six to nine weeknights, the great one. He's talking to Campos. And Campos, I think, was making an argument that the U.S. Army is thin. And when you consider all these different conflicts, Ukraine, Russia, the possibility of China, Taiwan, Israel, I think, I think, I don't even know, but I think she was making the argument that the U.S. has to be careful. She pissed off Levin in a big way, and he killed her. I mean, no, Mark Levin killed his own teammate, his own colleague, Rachel Campos, on Fox News, and she was clearly out of her league. I mean, you got to be honestly a guy like me to argue with Mark Levin, or you're dead. Dead. She is. Uh, she's not ready for that. But I thought it was great. So it occurred to me that as Israel starts to lose more and more supporters, because you know we're minutes away, minutes away from the media, politicians, everybody else killing the Israelis, because we're going to kill some people. We're going to kill women. We're going to kill children, just like they did to us. We're going to try not to. We're going to try not to, but it's going to happen. And Israel is going to become, once again, the monster. It occurred to me that if you're a strong Jewish voice in this country, guy like me, for example, number one radio show in the country, Jewish guy, guy like Ben Shapiro, very large Jewish voice, and, of course, Mark Levin, the biggest of all, it's a good idea at this point to practice some solidarity and not continue some silly feud. So I did what a mature man would do, which I'm really not, but I did it. I reached out to Rich, the producer, sent him an email, and I said, you know, I kind of feel badly what's transpired between me and Mark, and right now, Jews with big voices like Rosenberg and Levin, we need to band together. We need to help folks understand what's really going on. So do you think that Levin will be up for a call at some point today? Pretty mature, right? Mr. Producer, play cut seven. Well, <laughs> close. So Rich sends Levin the email, and not even 30 minutes later, I get an email back from Rich, and it's got Levin's cell phone number, and it says, call him this afternoon or after 9 p.m. tonight because he does his Sunday night show on Fox News. Respect the hours of the bunker. Don't call me before that. <laughs> yeah. Just call me. You got the number now. Sid, you're doing a great job. Well, that's what he said. So about uh, about 2.30 yesterday afternoon, it was halftime of all the 1 o'clock games, and I walked outside and I called Levin, and we had a great conversation. He told me he thought I was great. He told me the show was great. He told me he was um, unhappy that we were having this little bout. He told me why, what's really going on. That's fine. And I admit it, I got a bit heavy-handed, calling him the average one instead of the great one. And uh, in an attempt to rebuild this beautiful relationship, I said, Levin, why don't you do me in New York a favor? 
join forces, which he wants to do. I said, good. Then come on tomorrow morning at 840. And he said, quote, I'll be there. That's it. That's it. The That's average, it. When the average one will be there, shit, that was pretty funny. That was pretty <laughs> uh, good. Uh, pretty, not bad. I like it. Anyway, so he'll be there. Away our different, yeah, I know where you're coming from. <laughs> so it's a, of, it's a heck of a show you got going on here. I like how you've maintained it. He did do that. Uh, three different people this weekend said that to me. Two of them told me on the best radio host they've ever heard. Todd Shapiro and Dr. Mark Siegel. My two favorite people now. So anyway... <laughs> Shut up. I'm going to I'm gonna have to get some shirts that just say it. So that, you'll you'll have a great day that day. You know, who's wearing a shirt that says I'm the greatest radio host of all of time? All time. Of all time. Yeah. Of all time. Of all time. Yeah. Levin didn't go that far, but he did say, you're, you're, I'm great. You're great. That's so. it. Yeah. Right, what do they say nowadays? Goat. Is that it? Uh, yeah. I like that. You're, you're, the, you're, you're closer to the goat. Maybe you're, like, still a lamb right now. <laughs> so anyway, Levin will uh, join us at 840. Again, we've got an amazing guest list. Liz Pipko, Alex. Trayman, Curtis Sliwa, Rich Lowry, Dove Heikend, Lee Zeldin, Brett Bear, and Mark Levin all stopping by today. Traffic with Joe Nolan. What a weekend he had coming up next. But right now it's time for the 77 WABC clip of the day. Listen to my main man, John Katsimatidis, Cats Roundtable, where common sense prevails. He always tells both sides of the story. I actually put him on yesterday for a couple of minutes, and he had uh, that punk-ass bitch Bill de Blasio on. I wasn't interested in that. Anyway, uh, he tells both sides of the story. It's every Sunday morning starting at 8. Here John talks with a guy I actually like, former Congressman Peter King. Actually, to me, the main thing that's going on, John, it's really tragic. It's what happened in Israel. As we know, the attacks last week were absolutely disgraceful, uh, horrible. In many ways, the worst since the Holocaust. Uh, you see young children, babies, women, senior citizens just killed for no reason other than to terrorize them. And now what I'm concerned about is, you know, the first few days, everyone was on Israel's side. But now we're hearing how Israel has to be careful, uh, can't uh, be too heavy-handed going after Hamas. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Elk here with your bottom of the hour sports update sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Spoilers. Go to PeerlessSpoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built boilers on the gridiron. The Jets, they did indeed erase an 11-point deficit and hold on to shock what was the league's last remaining undefeated team in the Philadelphia Eagles by a score of 20-14. to Brees Hall ran for an 8-yard touchdown with 146 remaining. One play after Tony Adams intercepted Jalen Hurts to set up New York deep in the red zone. And the Eagles got one more chance after this, but Jets defense held strong, allowing Zach Wilson and the offense to take two kneel downs to seal the unlikely victory, with which the Jets moved to an even 3-3 three and three on the season. As for the Giants, challenges on offense persisted once again en route to a 14-9 loss to the Bills in Buffalo. While the Bills barely hung on, the Giants were lamenting their fourth straight loss, coming down to a season-long inability to find the end zone. New York settled for three field goals by Graham Gano. You know, uh, my son Gabriel texted me earlier this morning, mm-hmm. and he said the Giants should have won. Uh-huh. And I said, the Browns beat the 49ers, the Jets beat the Eagles, and you're right, the Giants should have won. But, son, that goes to show you how pathetic, and I know Jones didn't play, Tyrod Taylor played, how pathetic our team is. And my son responded with the four best words you'll ever hear, you're always right, Dad. There you go. <laughs> 
But you never know. The Eagles, <laughs> the Eagles, the Eagles won't win again for the rest of the season. So the Eagles, yeah. Don't they have Miami coming up next? Uh, but, but, yeah, but whatever. They're they don't look very good the last. Two no, weeks. they're going to lose by one hundred and fifty. I mean, even Buffalo. You know, they lost to Jacksonville. Barely beat the Giants. Right yeah. now, the Lions are the best team in football. Yeah. And the Niners are all beat up. They lost both uh, Debo Samuel and McCaffrey. Well, that's the only thing that makes the Eagles' loss a little better. Is right. That the Niners lost as well. But the Lions are tough, man. I'm telling you. Yeah. That kid Goff took the Rams to a Super Bowl. He lost to Brady on the Pats. Not a kid anymore. He's, he's good. Been, he's a veteran. Yeah, I know. You're right. Mm. Everybody's a kid compared to me. That's true. That's true. Yeah, I'm old. <laughs> you're always right, Dave. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> on the ice, uh, there was no local action yesterday or last night, but the Rangers and Devils will be back at it tonight. The Hockey Blue Shirts welcome in the Arizona Coyotes for a 7 p.m. punk drop at their home opener, and the Devs get set to host the Florida Panthers. That's also set for a 7 p.m. puck drop. Finally, to the Diamond and the MLB playoffs where the ALCS got underway last night between the Rangers and Astros in Houston, opening with a 2 to nothing Rangers win behind a gem from Jordan Montgomery on the bump, former Yankee there. The Rangers will take the 1-0 series lead into Game 2, set for this afternoon at 4.37 p.m. As for the NLCS between the Diamondbacks and Phillies, that'll get going with Game 1's first pitch scheduled for tonight at 8.07 p.m. in Philadelphia. <laughs> Phillies fans fixing to be a little bit upset due to the Eagles' loss <laughs> Last night. Sports sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a deal. And are you, they're the world's best boat boilers. And I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77. WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. You do not agree with the Israeli total siege of the Gaza Strip. I'm confident that Israel is going to act under the major, the, the rules of war. There, There's a standard that democratic institutions and countries will go, go by. And so uh, I'm, I'm confident that there's going to be an ability for the innocents in Gaza to be able to have access to medicine and food and water. Would you support Israeli occupation of Gaza at this point? I think it'd be a big mistake. Look, what happened in Gaza, in my view, is Hamas and the extreme elements of Hamas don't represent all the Palestinian people. And uh, I think that uh, it would be a mistake to uh, for Israel to occupy Gaza again. We did, but to going in and taking out the uh, the extremists, the uh, Hezbollah is up north, but Hamas down south is a necessary requirement. Do you believe that Hamas must be eliminated entirely? Uh, yes, I do. But there needs to be a Palestinian authority. There needs to be a, a path to a Palestinian state. I don't want to get into classified information, but to be very blunt with you, there is no clear evidence of that. At this point, no this evidence point. that Iran is behind any of this. Correct. Now, Iran constantly supports Hamas and Hezbollah. I don't mean that. But in terms of were they, did they have foreknowledge? Did they help plan the attack? They, there's, there's no evidence of that at this point. Is he kidding me? No evidence? Does this moron even know about that meeting in Qatar that took place about a week before the attacks between the leader of Hamas the Iranian leader and Russia? Does he know about that? Who does he think he's kidding? See, the problem is most Americans don't pay any attention. They hate the Jews anyway, so that's fine. That was the president on 60 Minutes last night, Scott Pelley. 
courtesy of CBS. Let's go live to Jerusalem. This man did an outstanding job last week between Noam Layden's great morning show and mine. He was on all five days, now making his sixth consecutive appearance on New York's number one sitting friends in the morning. Live from Jerusalem, Alex Trayman, JNS.org. Alex, good morning, buddy. How are you? Good morning, Sid. Tell me about your weekend before we get to the president's, what I thought, idiotic and not very supportive comments last night. You may feel differently. Tell me about the weekend that was for you guys in Jerusalem. Well, in Jerusalem, it was very tense. Uh, you know, where I live is right on the seam line between the Jewish and the Arab communities in the eastern section of Jerusalem. Uh, there were several occasions over the weekend where we heard machine gun fire. Uh, fortunately, no reports of uh, serious incidents. Uh, police moving in and around, in and out of uh, our community on on uh, advanced uh, patrols. Um, and so it's a, it's a tense it's a tense situation. Uh, usually, the the park near our house is uh, filled with, with Arabs uh, in, in the afternoons. And, and this weekend, there was not one in the park. Uh, apparently, they probably got warnings not to arrive uh, from from police. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of tension, but uh, fortunately, it, it still remained quiet. Let's go back to the president's comments last night, that one which they've said from the very beginning. I guess that's why when he made that initial speech, which I thought was supportive but feckless, showed no leadership. He never mentioned Iran. Still, still not admitting that Iran is involved, and you know why. What are your thoughts in Israel about the president leaving out Iran? Well, it's clear that the U.S. administration, this one, and also the Obama administration have been colluding with Iran uh, for for many years, providing them with with ample funding. They could have been ramping up uh, tremendous sanctions on the Iranian regime and pushing them to a breaking point. Instead, they're giving them money, which is then getting funneled to their terror proxies around the region, most notably to Hamas and also to Hezbollah. Uh, and there's very little doubt that even if this attack didn't occur with direct coordination, uh, the way decentralized terror proxies work is that they've been given instructions to attack, uh, and that is what happened on Saturday. And the uh, first cut I played there had the uh, had the president talking about how he really, he really wants to. Well, he's very confident Israel will uh, apply uh, comply by the rules of war. And look, I, I'm a nice man. You know, I'm a father. I'm a son. I'm a husband. I don't like innocents getting killed. But I'm just curious, Alex, did Hamas play by the rules of war when they arrived Saturday morning on a holiday Shabbos at 6 a.m. and just devastated my people? Did they did they go by those same rules? I'm curious. Well, this is the problem that Israel fights asymmetric battles against uh, terrorist organizations where militants and civilians are mixed. There were reports that there were many uh, street uh, civilians dressed in street clothes that entered in to Israel on Saturday morning together uh, with the uh, armed uh, militants and in, in uh, military style clothing. Um, and. No, they don't play by the rules of war. And for Israel, there should be only one rule of war, and that's to win. And you are getting the sense that the American presence in the region, which includes two aircraft carriers and already two visits by Antony Blinken, a visit by uh, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin, and and now an invitation for a potential visit by Joe Biden, is in place specifically to prevent Israel from 
do completing the only rule of war that it should have, which is to win and to win conclusively. That's what I'm feeling. I mean, I think those two warships are there for show. I really do. Uh, right now, I would like Biden to just say, do what you got to do. I want everybody to say, do what you got to do. Do you think that the majority of Israelis feel that way? Because I have to tell you, I saw, and my heart goes out to this poor woman, Rachel Goldberg, again on TV on Sunday morning, and uh, her son, Hirsch, uh, they believe was abducted at that music festival. His arm was blown off, and they believe he's one of the nearly 200 hostages. And she made it her business on Fox News, by the way, Alex, to thank this administration for being so supportive about five times. And I keep saying the same thing. Being supportive is easy. It's easy to say we love you, we're sorry, we're with you. The hard part is, what are you going to do about it? And everything Biden and this administration says to me, telling Israel to kind of calm down, that doesn't work for me. Do the majority of Israelis feel the same way? You know, it, um, most most Americans don't understand the complexities in Israel. But what's even much more dangerous is that most is really really don't understand what's been going on in the United States. You know, obviously they hear statements by Netanyahu about how uh, America and Joe Biden are, are the greatest friends of the state of Israel. And, and Netanyahu has no choice but to say those things, even though everybody knows that there's tremendous tension between the two administrations. Uh, but I, I don't really think that the Amer- that the Israelis understand uh, how the Americans have been playing double games in the Middle East uh, for decades, you know, pitting Israelis against Palestinians, funding both sides of the conflict, and the same thing between Israel and Iran. Alex Trayman, once again, live in Jerusalem. Now, let's get to uh, the real issue, what you guys are facing. The uh, the troops on the ground amassing over 300,000. We keep waiting for them to go into Gaza. There was an issue with weather the other day. I really believe Israel is just waiting to make sure as many as Palestinians as possible leave that area based upon advice given to them by Biden, the rest of the world. That's my opinion. Why do you think the Israelis still have not gone in? They're ready. They're right there. Why have they not gone in? Well, there were some supply chain issues, making sure that all of the troops have exactly all of the equipment that they needed. Uh, also, uh, they've been reviewing battle plans over the last several days. There were reports that the Israeli commanders uh, were flown over different parts of the Gaza Strip on uh, on surveillance missions and on planning missions. Uh, and, you know, the Israeli troops have, haven't been just standing there. They've actually been practicing ahead of going in. Don't forget, they're going to be going into a heavily – uh, booby-trapped urban fighting environment, and uh, there's no there's no purpose in in racing in one or two days ahead of time uh, if that might mean that uh, they would su- they would suffer uh, casualties on their own side, right? They want to protect the lives of every soldier uh, much more than they're worried about the the lives of Palestinian civilians. And as of right now, we're still talking about uh, waging this war on one front. Is that a fair assumption, Alex? Well, there's been increased fighting on the northern front. Uh, you know, it's uh, step by step. You you see the the two sides getting into what is is very very likely to be uh, a full fledged uh, multi front uh, attack. You know, the way these things work, especially when you have decentralized leadership, is that uh, you know mortars get fired, then there's reprisals. Uh, but if you don't control uh, every gunner with every finger on the button of a, of a missile or a rocket, all it takes is one person to say, you know what, I'm firing my missile, 
and then that could start a, a full-fledged uh, full-fledged attack both ways. And and I think that it's a very very likely scenario, especially once uh, ground troops move into Gaza. I, I really do believe that uh, Hezbollah is likely to get uh, into the mix. And Iran has said once the Israeli troops go into Gaza that they're going to have no choice but to intervene, as if, again, Joe Biden, they have not intervened yet. You know, Mark Levin is going to join me coming up at 840 this morning, and he said something the last couple of days on Fox News. He used a very dirty word, Alex, and that dirty word is nuclear. And we know the Israelis have a bunch of nuclear weapons sitting there collecting dust. Nobody Nobody wants to see a nuclear war. None of us. But why wouldn't the Israelis at the very least, at the very least, threaten Iran, uh, obviously that whole region in Gaza, and anybody else, anybody else who engages in war, why not at least use those weapons as a threat? Is that too much? Well, I think everybody understands that Israel is uh, quite a well-stocked nuclear power, and that if Israel felt that its existence was really on the line, that they would not be afraid to use them. That's the last thing anybody wants to do. But by the same token, the reason why I think it could be very important for Israel to strike at Iran's nuclear infrastructure now is because it's still believed that they have not crossed the nuclear threshold. Could you imagine if this was being fought in several months from now and Iran was a nuclear power, how they would use the nuclear weapons as a threat of war and annihilation against Israel? So, I, you know, I really do think that potentially the timing of this conflict is a blessing. And I, and I hope that the Israeli leaders are courageous enough not only to take out Hamas and all the 150,000 missiles that are pointed at us in Lebanon stocked by Hezbollah, but would even potentially uh, use this as an opportunity to strike Iran before they become nuclear. So you would be OK. I know it, it's hard to say this, but you would be OK with a, a nuclear strike in Iran before they get their uh, nuclear weapons done. Yes. Well, I'm not saying it needs to be a nuclear strike. There's ways of attacking against the infrastructure and gotcha. making sure that they don't become nuclear power. Fair enough. Uh, I did see a report from the State Department. Somebody said here in America that the Americans are considering putting boots on the ground in Israel. And why wouldn't they? Almost 30 Americans have been killed. We're not even sure here how many hostages they've got. I mean, Americans now. Forget about Israel. 10, 15, 20, we don't know. And how do Americans think they're getting these people out if, in fact, they don't send boots on the ground? So I don't think we have much of a choice. Would you like to see in Israel the Americans uh, put boots on the ground alongside your people? Well, Israel has always said that it defends itself by itself, and I think that the, the fear is that if there are American boots on the ground, that then it's America that's directing the conflict. Uh, and I think that it's in Israel's best interest to direct this conflict by itself, uh, lean on the Americans for diplomatic support. I think the number one thing that the Americans could do is make sure that the Rafah border crossing between Gaza and Egypt gets opened, uh, that uh, Gazans are allowed to flood out of the border, and that diplomatic efforts should be made not only to provide them with humanitarian assistance on the Egyptian side of the border, but also to resettle as many Gazans as possible uh, into other countries. And I'm sure that many Gazans would like to be uh, resettled on a in other countries because they're sick and tired of living under Hamas rule and whatever life they will have in Gaza after this campaign is over is, is likely to be much worse than it was before it started. Alex Trayman, any new news on the hostages? 
Well, now it's reports that there's 199 hostages that we are, are inside the Gaza Strip. Uh, there's not much intelligence yet as to uh, where they are or necessarily what condition they're all in. Uh, that's definitely a, a primary priority for Israel to, to figure out where these hostages are, if they're alive, and, and whether or not uh, battle plans can be drawn up in order to, to free uh, them, as many as possible. Uh, you know, we're hearing conflicting reports. I heard one unconfirmed report that there might already be hostages in Qatar uh, transported there. I'm not sure how that would have been possible, but that's some of the rumblings that we're hearing over here. So the hostages are very important. But uh, the number one thing is really to make sure that Hamas or Hezbollah can never take any hostages from Israel ever again. So in the final 60 seconds, do you find yourself still more angry at what Hamas did and exacting revenge and wiping them off the face of the earth, or more sympathetic to all these new reports that the Gaza hospitals are running out of medicine, they're running out of water, there's a fuel issue, all these issues in the Gaza Strip, which, again, is somewhat heartbreaking for some of these innocent people, but it all started with an unprecedented attack in Israel last Saturday, did it not? Oh, absolutely. And it's not just a one unprecedented attack. This is a decades of attacks uh, on Israel. There, There is uh, an education system there which teaches uh, the Arabs to hate the Jewish people. So Israel, you should not be surprised uh, by what happened. And uh, I don't think that they're angered, per se, by what Hamas tried to do all of a sudden. They didn't expect anything better of Hamas. Uh, the, the anger right now is being pointed actually toward the Israeli government. Uh, and I think Israelis want to see a definitive and conclusive victory to this war to make sure that uh, Hamas is never able to carry out an attack like this ever again. Alex Trayman, you should get an Emmy Award. What you've done here the last week with me and Noam, again, great, great report today. Please be careful. I mean that from the bottom of my heart, and hopefully we'll do it again tomorrow. You've been terrific. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Sid. You got it, pal. Alex Trayman, live from Jerusalem, and you get the feeling that Alex don't want to hear it. You don't want to hear about the issues in Gaza. He doesn't want to hear the word restrained. He doesn't want to hear Biden on 60 Minutes. He wants to wipe these people out. And you know what, Alex? That makes two of us. Seventy-seven WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the morning. What you say? Just a friend. Oh, you my best friend. Seventy-seven WABC. Boy.
So the last time I was here was Friday. It was um, Global Jihad Day. A lot of you pussies out there stayed home from work, and which is really shameful. I mean, to be honest, you should be docked a day of pay. You really should. My message to John and Chad is, anyone who stayed home on Friday, don't pay him. I was here. And guess what? Nothing happened. What a bunch of pussies. But I get home and, uh, you know, we went for dinner on Friday night. Me, my, my beautiful wife, Danielle, my son, Gabe, my brother-in-law, Albert, and my sister, Ray Shuri. We went to Marty Beanie's place, Adrian's. Great place. In um, Beach, uh, what do you call that place there? Uh, right before uh, Howard Beach. Uh, what is that called, that area right before Howard Beach? Broadchamp. Uh, Broadchamp. Broad thank you, yeah. So I'm at home waiting to go for dinner, and I'm, I put the TV on. And I see these animals, just animals, thousands of them, thousands, like termites in Times Square, pro-Palestinian, pro-murdering babies. That's what you are, folks. Pro-murdering babies rally. And we're giving these people airtime, putting them on TV, asking them questions. And some of these lowlifes were, were asked about the pictures and videos that came back from Israel, and they said, oh, those were fake. That didn't happen. We didn't do that. We're not like that. That's the Israelis and their propaganda. Jewish people around the world should be so outraged. But as my dear friend who gets major ratings, noon to one, every weekday afternoon, great ratings, weeknights, weekends, I should say overnights, and does tremendous work right here at this time every weekday morning. The icon, the legend, Mr. Guardian Angel Curtis, who was about to tell you, Jews are not really that outraged now, Curtis, are they? No, no, and you lost momentum from the weekend before where everybody was turning against the DSA, Democrat Socialists of America, who summoned uh, all the pro-Palestinian elements and the elements who pledged support for Hamas. Remember that? They pledged, and Sean Schwarzenegger, you had the momentum. They were on the deck. They reorganized. They regrouped. They came back with Jews for Justice, Jews for Palestine, and Jews for Hamas. And they were everywhere. And they, they just outflanked the Jews, which I told you, the Unity Rally in Dak Hammershaw Plaza was only for some Jews, not other Jews. And the Jews who were traitors... They were out there in force with those who were supporting the Palestinians, and they had boots on the ground. I'm telling you, they were giving out flyers all weekend long on the subway. I mean, these are legitimately Jews who are against the state of Israel and have sided with Hamas. Remember, Hamas is not just a terrorist organization. It's the government of Gaza. The government declared war on Israel by invading southern Israel. Bibi declared war on them. This is an all-out war. And there were Jews out there who were actually praising the Palestinians and Hamas. Right outside of Chuck Schumer's house, right there in Grand Army Plaza, big sign, Jews for Palestinians, Jews for Hamas. You know one of those guys very, very well. He worked alongside you for many, many years. And you guys did have radio success together. Ron Kobe, he's one of those guys, and I blocked him now on Facebook. Even Danielle, who's had a good relationship over the years with Ron, they're both attorneys. They've actually spoken at times about cases. She said to me, oh, I'm done with that guy. So I'm not surprised. I will say this. My my kid asked me on Friday, he goes, wow, are there that many Palestinians in New York? I said, no, son. A lot of those losers who showed up on Friday and every event, they're not Palestinians. 
They're disgruntled Brooklyn kids. They have no friends. They're depressed. They're either going to shoot up a school or do something nasty like that. And now they've got a cause, right? Now they, they buy some schmata for $5 at a store in the city. They show up at a parade. Now they've got a cause. They're not Palestinians. They're troublemakers who hate the Jews. Is that not right? And some of them Jews wearing the kafir, yes. wearing the schmata on it. So what did I tell you at that unity rally? It was a failure. Didn't unify anybody other than some Jews talking to some Jews. You need to get the evangelicals on board. Let me tell you something. Give me some of those names. Who are these evangelicals? Oh, my God. All you got to do is go to a guy we both know who came here, former talk show host, although very dull at Indianapolis when he interviewed me, former vice president in Pence. Right. He has a link into all these evangelical groups. You remember Scooey Louis Farrakhan with the Million Man March, remember? And it turned out about 700,000 people. I was there. They went from the Lincoln Memorial to right before the Washington Monument. I was also there with Coach Bill McCartney's Promise Keepers Summit, which they legitimately had a million evangelical men and boys. And remember, we're talking Neon Dion. Before there was Neon Dion Sanders at uh, Boulder, Colorado, University of Colorado, the guy who won the championship there was Coach McCartney. Yes. He assembled one million evangelical men and boys. When you go to an evangelical church, and I'm not a holy roller, but I have spoke to them, they talk about the Old Testament first, that the Jews were the messengers of God. They did the heavy lifting. You must read, you must read the Old Testament first before you can understand the New Testament. Nobody goes to Israel more. After the second intifada, I was there for two weeks. I looked for all the tough Jews from, you know, New York, New Jersey, none. The evangelicals were all over Israel. They spend money there. They support Israel. They believe in Israel's right to exist. Why wouldn't you tap into them? Oh, they might want to, they might want to convert us. Everybody's trying to convert Jews over the centuries, sometimes by sword. Sometimes they lop off your head if you don't convert. The fact is you need allies. You need boots on the ground. You could have had evangelicals leaving their churches after sermon on Sunday and all coming together. And that, they would have blown away any of the numbers of the supporters for the Palestinians, or as they say, Jews for justice, Jews for Palestinians, Jews for Hamas. Let me tell you something. You need allies now. You got one week, Sid. One if, week? If Bibi doesn't get in there and get the job done in one week, you already see the pendulum turning. Oh, come on. You already see the pendulum. The world is way. turning against Israel and the Jews. I mean, Joe Biden last night on 60 Minutes showed some restraint. I, I believe they know the rules of war. And I'll ask Joe the same question. Did Hamas practice those rules of war when they broke into our neighborhoods on a Shabbos holiday morning at 6 a.m. and beheaded our babies? Did they practice it? Don't you worry so much about what Israel does, Biden, other than destroy the enemy. But I, That's I love, it. I love these folks. They all say, you know, the Palestinians really, they don't support Hamas. They want to be liberated. Yeah. We were told that about the Shias in Iraq. The moment we invade and take out Saddam Hussein, the Sunnis, the minority, they're going to be cheering us with flowers and candies. You know what they met us with? IEDs and Kalishnikovs. <laughs> Come on, get real here. I know. I don't buy any of that stuff. So can you tell me why, just to uh, change topic for a second? Yes. I got a missed call yesterday, and I will call her back today. I got a missed call and a message from uh, one of my favorite New York councilwomen, Joanne Ariola. Is there anything new in in um, Floyd Bennett Field that maybe she's calling me about? Or? 
Floyd you know? Man- no, no, uh, we have done our job. Uh, we are at a Mexican standoff about Floyd Benefield <laughs> being turned. I can use that term, Mexican standoff, I turning it <laughs> into a tent city for 7,500 single, able-bodied young men of military age that we don't know. We haven't vetted them who would be hanging out there with nothing to do and nowhere to go on their Vespas and motorbikes while they'd be smoking weed and drinking cerveza at taxpayers' expense. Yeah, I was thinking this uh, attack on Israel has been the best thing to happen to Mayor Adams in a long time because uh, you may disagree, but I'm telling you as a Jew, he's done a good job. Had a very good speech at Temple Emmanuel yesterday. Was very supportive of Israel from hey, day hey, one. Hey, wake up. Hey. Yeah, what's the matter? Wake what? up. What? That's the invasion that Israel <laughs> has to do into Gaza, right? Yeah. What about the invasion into our country? Well, that's my point. Some it, of whom who are terrorists, uh, well, I, I, I Some understand. of whom are from the sub-Saharan area of Africa. He's going to be raising the flag of Guinea-Bissau today. <laughs> you can't even find Guinea-Bissau on the map. Oh, we're going down to Bowling Green. We're raising... Do you realize there are active terrorist cells in Guinea-Bissau of Al-Qaeda and ISIS? And you're going to be raising their freaking flag... Let me tell you, I don't care how many politicians, oh, we love Jews, we love Israel, we love your money, because your checks don't bounce. What did you think? You would be giving a speech in favor of Hamas? They don't even have any dinars, nothing. So he's going, he's following the money, like all these Democrats. You haven't allowed Republicans at your rallies, Jews. You didn't invite evangelicals. And now the DSA and those that are kissing the Palestinian Tukis, including Hamas's Tukis, have seized the momentum. Stop acting like victims. Be tough. Be strong. The world only loves you when you're a victim, Jews and Americans, after 9-11. I prefer to be strong. Stand up to them. Do what you got to do. But, B.B., the clock is ticking. You better get in there. You better get Hamas. You got seven days before the entire world, including, that's right, the United States turns against you and say, Oh, you've killed enough Palestinians. Oh, the analytics say... Yeah, now even Stevens, call off the war, ceasefire, and then it's going to happen again. This has happened before, Sid. You can read the tea leaves. you got to be strong. And notice the invasion into America continues. 800 illegal aliens every day into New York City. And today with the vacate orders that the FDNY has given seven of the migrant centers, including St. John Villa, what is Eric Adams going to do with them? They're going to shove them into neighborhoods where you are, and you're going to be watching TV. Oh, when is BB going to invade Gaza? Wake up, New Yorkers. Wake up, Nassau County. They're already moving into Rosalind and Manhattan. Is sit in friends in the morning. Seventy-seven WABC. Hello, baby. Hello. Haven't seen your face for a while. Have you quit doing time for me, or are you still the same spoiled child? Hello, I said hello. Is this the only place? Thought to go. Am I the only man you ever had, or am I just the last surviving friend?
the great Elton John Harmony at 737 on your Monday morning. Been a great show already. Alex Trayman joined us live from Jerusalem. Curtis Sleva was just great. Mark Levin, according to Bill O'Reilly, won't be on CBS Sunday morning, but guess where he will be today? With me. Coming up at 840, the feud is over. We'll explain that later. Rich Lowry, Dove Hyken, live in Israel. Mark Levin, Lee Zeldin, and Brett Baer from Fox News makes his debut on this show today. But our dear friend, who's been on this show many, many, many times over the last year, she goes back and forth between Trump land and New York City, and that's Liz Pipko. And Elizabeth, I woke up early yesterday morning, put on Fox News, and there you were, and I texted you. And, um, well, thank you. You said, thank you, thank you. So you did a great job. And you said, well, this is also the fifth time I've been on Fox News this week five times. Yeah, no, no complaints on that front, but it's obviously sad what's happening and why I have to be on there. So I wish, I wish it wasn't the case. Uh, I think you're going to be on Jesse Waters tonight too, right? Unless they cancel. You know yeah. better than well, I do. Well, they canceled stations, on me a million times. You know how the stations work. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I well, I think I've been banned from Fox anyway. I, I mean, doubt it. Paul Carlucci says it's not the case. So does uh, Keith. But I used to be on Kilmeade and Waters and right. these shows all the time. It's been a couple of months, but that's fine. We'll work uh, towards getting back there. But you have been there yesterday. You were talking specifically, Elizabeth, about the universities, those uh, hateful places. Over 300, 300 universities now have clubs that are pro-Palestinian. I'm not okay with that, are you? I mean, I was until pro-Palestinian became anti-Semitic. You know, I feel like it, it, it's almost insulting to Palestinians that they somehow cannot seem to have a pro-Palestinian cause without insulting Jews at the same so time. So you are one of these people that are worried right now about the innocent Palestinians. I mean, I, I mean, listen, to a certain extent, I am, too. Yeah. But right now, all I want to do is destroy, annihilate, end Hamas. And I hate to say it, uh, we lost a lot of our innocent people. If some of their innocents die, I hate to say it, that's war. What can I tell you? Right. No, no, it certainly is war. I just I don't think enough people realize that when Palestinians die, you and I might be upset about it, but Hamas is not. No. I think that's the problem. Well, not only not upset, they're actually setting up blockades. Right. They're literally being set up to die, not by us, but by their own uh, leadership. I think that's the real problem, and that's what makes most of us this sad. War is horrible. When you look at the specifics, people genuinely that have died should not have died on both sides. And it's because of one terrorist organization that has to be destroyed. Now, you are a very Jewish young lady. (laughs) You you keep kosher. I don't know if you uh, do you celebrate did you like celebrate Sukkot and Shemini Yatzeret and all those holidays? I do. You do? do? Yeah. So you're like really Jewish. Yeah. Yes. Really Jewish. And, And what's odd is your family is not. No, so, they are. Oh, they are. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I thought you were more religious than your mom and dad, per se, or your grandparents. No, my mom is the one, a little more than my grandparents, but okay. my mom is the one that kind of made this all happen. So, like, what I said last week, I remember doing my shows 9-11 down in Florida. And every year I would say, listen, I understand people died in Shanksville. I understand people died at the Pentagon. And I get that every American feels horrible today. But I'm sorry. I'm a New Yorker. We had almost 3,000 dead here I took it more personally, and I feel the same way about this. Everybody's upset. If you're a human being, you're upset. But you're a Jew. I'm a Jew. This is personal. Yes? It's more than personal. We're not upset. I think there's words that I can't say live on air, which is better to describe how I'm feeling. Just have Lou dump it. Go ahead. Go for it. (laughs) She didn't say anything. Calm down, Lou. Don't worry. He just hit the dump button. (laughs) 
I don't know why I'm doing something and you just. No, I don't. Don't worry about it. Go ahead. ahead. Finish your point. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm traumatized. I'm furious. I don't have the words. And it's crazy to see how many people we warned about this. When I talk about the Holocaust regularly, I'm bombarded with people saying, no one's forgotten. No one cares. Stop making yourself the victim. But this literally proves that I'm right. Yeah. They say that to you? Regularly. Yeah. So clearly we were right. People have forgotten. And now we understand how it happened. And everyone kind of turned the blind eye. You know what really aggravated me on Friday, too, is there are some people that are Holocaust deniers. You know these folks. Of course. And I was watching the local news interview these animals at the pro-Palestinian parade on Friday. Thousands showed up in Times Square. And many of them said the same thing. These atrocities didn't happen. This is all Israeli propaganda. I'm not sure if they believe that or they just hate the Jews so much they want to believe that. But that's what they said. A lot of people said I had to, like, block everyone on Instagram and Facebook and things that I follow because I couldn't look at it anymore. But, yeah, it was I'm not being anti-Semitic because this is just anti-Israel and this is not actually true. And the Jews should see through the Israeli propaganda just like we do. That was the messaging. That uh, that annoyed me on Friday. And the other thing that annoyed me uh, quite a bit this weekend are people that are taking their time to blast Donald Trump. I mean, look, folks. You don't like him. I get it. That's fine. What he said was entirely true. Hamas was smart in this attack. The Israelis, usually the best when it comes to intelligence, they were stupid in this attack. And unfortunately, people like Bibi Netanyahu are going to lose their job. Maybe it was inartful. Maybe you think it was too early. But all Donald Trump did was tell the truth. Why you would be angry at Trump right now when this current administration is behind all of these attacks is not only a waste of time, but it's insulting to me. I'm sick of it. It's also evil because I think it's up to 1,200 lives now we know were taken. Lives weren't taken under Donald Trump's administration. You can despise the man, but you have to admit that Israel was safe, and that's what matters to me, and that's what should matter to all Jews around the world. That's right. Not just safe. The Abraham Accords were making uh, some ways with Saudi Arabia. Last I checked, 13 Americans didn't die in Afghanistan. Last I checked, the Ukrainians weren't getting 600,000 Ukrainians dead at the hands of Vladimir Putin. And you're going to tell me, like I had a guy tell me this weekend, oh, you think Putin is scared of Trump? Oh, you think Hamas is scared of Trump? I don't know. All I know is nobody died, stupid. Literally, I don't know. I don't care. All I know is the facts. I was safe when he was president, not to mention when he did move the embassy, when he did all the things he did. People told him a war will break out. So he did this against a lot of people's advice, and we were extra safe, thanks to him. I don't care how you feel about him. I don't care if you love him or hate him. You should be grateful that we survived for those four years. Now we're not. So something is wrong. Trump 2024 to Elizabeth Pipko's point. Excellent job. We'll get back to you later on in the program. We've got uh, Rich Lowry coming up next. And again, Dove Hyken live from Israel, Lee Zeldin, Brett Baer, and the big one, the great one himself, Mark Levin, coming up at 840. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Well, he since said that he stands firmly with Israel and with the prime minister. I understand they've had some personal disagreements, but when you're in the middle of a war, obviously personal disagreements between heads of states uh, pale in comparison to the national interest. I know that President Biden and Prime Minister Netanyahu have had their differences as well, but he has said that he is going to give unwavering and rock-solid support to the prime minister. What concerns me even more is this administration's actions. As I've said, they've been soft on Iran versus President Trump, who was very, very tough on Iran and stood squarely with Israel. And just look more broadly. It it wasn't on President Trump's watch 
that Kabul collapsed in 21. It wasn't on President Trump's watch that Russia invaded Ukraine. It wasn't on President Trump's watch that Iran unleashed its proxy, Hamas, uh, to slaughter Jews in Israel. All these things happened under President Biden because President Biden has been tempting America's enemies with his weakness and his concession. One of the men that created this great band, Grateful Dead, is one of my favorite songs, Shakedown Street, 7.50 on your Monday morning. That's Arkansas great Tom Cotton, who sounded a lot like me and Liz Pipko. We just said the same exact thing that Cotton said on Fox yesterday. So, from my friend who remains nameless and others that are harping on what Donald Trump said, let Jimmy Kimmel do that. Let Geraldo Rivera do that. Let CNN and MSNBC do that. But if I consider you smart, don't sound like an idiot, okay? I don't care what Trump's rhetoric is. I care about results. And again, none of these things happened under Trump's watch. They're all happening under Biden. That's all you should care about. Is that not right, Rich Lowry? (laughs) It's so funny. I wrote an article this morning basically occasioned by Tom Cotton's comments yesterday, which were great. And this is why I don't like what Trump said. I think it was was dumb, but it's not going to hurt him because Trump can just say, as he has, hmm, kind of funny. This never happened when I was president, did it? Oh, that's (laughs) the point. I mean, when you say it was dumb, I mean, I'll give you maybe it was a bit early. It was inartful. There was nothing dumb about it. It was a fact. The fact is that Hamas outsmarted Israel and Israel looks stupid. I mean, that's a fact. Well, I just wouldn't call it. He called Hezbollah smart. And, you well, know, they were all, smart. All sorts of Rich, they were terrible. smart. Rich, I got news for you. Putin's smart. Adolf Hitler was smart. You can be evil. Yeah, you can no, be a killer. That, and you can be the, smart. It's not the first thing you would say after this world. Oh, worst come on. Event. And, come on. Yeah. See, look, this, is where, he, this is where you're proving to be what Bernie called you from day one. You and Lindsey Graham and everybody else are never Trumper. Who cares? They were smart. They outsmarted Israel. They got in and killed our citizens. I I don't think you should have said that. But the point I was going to make is that it's not going to hurt him because he can just say, look, as Tom Cott was pointing out on Fox yesterday, Fox News Sunday, none of this ever happened on my watch. That's true. And, you know, maybe maybe he just got lucky. Maybe it was just four years. But all the evidence suggests our adversaries were afraid of us because they were afraid of him. And I went back and looked at the the Soleimani uh, drone hit, which, you know, a lot of people on the populace, right, Tucker Carlson, this is terrible, it's going to cause a war, you know, people are freaked out by, but he did it, 
And the, the New York Times story was about this was the most extreme option presented to him, and it stunned the Pentagon. So if it stunned our own people that he was willing to do this, imagine the effect it had <laughs> all around the Middle East of course. if you're someone with, with American course. blood on their hands. And then we saw this like play out very publicly with, with the uh, uh, cause and effect clear for everyone on a you know, less consequential but really important thing, our southern border. He needed cooperation from Mexico and these northern triangle countries. So what did he do? Did he just say, oh, you guys are great. I love what you're doing. Please help me. No. He said, I'm going to shut down the border with Mexico and cause an enormous economic crisis for everyone. I'm cutting off aid to the northern triangle countries. And it was all a bluff, right? I mean, he did cut off the, the aid to the northern triangle countries briefly, but they, he got him to do everything he wanted to do. The border got in order, and none of it happened. So it just showed, but they all worried that it would happen, that it would you know, keep the, the aid cut off, that it would follow through, and that's called – that's deterrent power, right? That fear is deterrent power. And no one – and Trump himself says this, right? Said He says, you know, I threatened Ru- Russia if they want – Putin if you went into Ukraine, and he didn't believe me 100 percent. He believed me 10 percent. And that's all you need, because you might think, OK, he's bluffing. This is total BS, but maybe it's not. And I, I think that had a huge um, uh, that had a huge effect. So on the underlying question, I'm agreeing with you that uh, this isn't going to hurt Trump. Um, and as you guys were just discussing, there's a reason this didn't happen uh, when Trump was president. And it's because people feared him. Well, I had a guy that I had dinner with a couple of uh, months ago. He said Trump was lucky. I said, oh, hold on a second. So Obama's president and Russia goes into Crimea. Here comes Trump. Putin does nothing. Trump's not out of office a year, and they invade Ukraine. That's luck, right? I mean, he told the leader of the Taliban, he pointed to a map, and he said, here's where your family lives. Yeah. I'll blow you to, I'll blow you sky high in five seconds. And what happens? No one dies there. Since then, yeah. 13 dead Americans in Afghanistan. Now you got uh, the, the war in Israel when all Trump did was – how the Abraham Accords, I mean, the idea that there are people out there that called him lucky, that may be the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my whole life, ever. Yeah, well, you know, no, clearly no one fears Biden that way. And what Trump says about the Taliban is, like, uh, Putin may have believed his threat like 10%, but the Taliban believed it 90%. <laughs> Trump 2024, baby. Let me get to the uh, the House Republican speaker deal. They're supposed to vote, uh, I guess, tomorrow uh, There's a lot of talk about uh, Republicans bullying people to vote for Jim Jordan. Uh, we know that uh, Nancy Mace, my dear friend, who was on this show twice last week, she wants Jordan. Uh, Donald Trump has endorsed Jim Jordan. But it doesn't look like, at least today, he'll get the 217 needed to be the next speaker. What are your thoughts on tomorrow? What do you expect to happen? Yeah, well, I favor a speaker. At this point, I don't care who it is. Um, and, and Jordan got the majority support of the conference. And the only way this thing is ever going to be resolved is if everyone just says, OK, whoever has a majority support of the rest of my party, I'm voting for that person. I'm not sure it's going to happen for Jordan. It seems like uh, it probably isn't, given all the the, the soundings here. Um, but this this can't drag on much longer. I mean, it's it's getting absurd. They never should have shot McCarthy in the back of the head. There wasn't a good alternative who, who would have majority support. And at least McCarthy, you know, there was some – a philosophical case you can make against him. He was too weak on spending or whatever. But now it's just it's just descended into all these personal animosities and tribalism. You know, I, I'm not going to support your guy because you didn't support my guy and you weren't as supportive of McCarthy as you should have been and his hour of need and all the rest of it. It's really uh, uh, it's something we haven't seen. This sort of um, 
chaos and just dysfunction just out in the open uh, affecting a, a party's ability just to have a speaker it's insane it's embarrassing I want to go back to the Israeli conflict uh, one more time before we wrap things up. Another great Monday morning conversation, which, thank you. For some reason, Joe Biden is having a very hard time admitting that he thinks, and his administration thinks, Iran was involved here. The whole world thinks Iran was involved. The Israelis have said it. Hamas even said it. Hamas even said, thank you, Iran. But yet Biden, again last night. Given the opportunity on 60 Minutes on CBS to call out Iran, so, well, we know they're, 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 they're supportive of these groups before, but there's no fingerprints on this attack. What, what is, I mean, I know the real reason why, but what, what is your opinion why he continues yeah, to mean, lie? The, the, the reason why, right, is they, they don't want to admit it because of the, the consequences that would follow, and that they'd have to admit that their, their policy has been a disaster and is wrong and needs to change and needs to go back, you know, speaking of Trump, go, going back to the Trump maximum pressure policy, but they can't admit that. And, you know, this, this argument over the $6 billion, which, as we were discussing last week, is not the main thing. It's all the oil money. But their defense, so-called, of it is so absurd. They're like, no, uh, Iran has always supported Hamas. So it wasn't about the $6 billion. Well, why are you giving them money if they've always supported <laughs> Hamas? And it, and, it def- <clears throat> and it depends on how you define fingerprint, right? <clears throat> the Wall Street Journal had a report like a week ago saying they greenlit the operation. They, they had the ultimate decision. Um, Iran. Now, we haven't seen that reporting elsewhere. Maybe that's mistaken. But we do know they trained. They were aware of it. Um, and they support the group that did it. Right? What else do you need? I, to know? Uh, listen, I also know that there was a meeting in Qatar a week before the attacks. And who was there? The leader of Hamas, mm-hmm. the leader of Iran, and a Russian leader as well. So the idea that we're not sure is a lie. So when my sister Olana says to my sister Ray Sherry, you don't blame Biden for this, do you? Because she's a hopeless Democrat. And Ray Sherry walks out with her hand in her head in her hands going, Oh my God, someone needs to talk to my sister Alana, yes? This <laughs> <laughs> is getting way, way deep, way too deep in family uh <laughs> no, no, it's, yeah. enjoy your Thanksgiving, Sid. <laughs> that sounds like it's gonna be fantastic. Yeah, it ain't gonna happen. And uh listen, I love all my family. I love my sisters desperately, but people are dying now. You know, it's one thing. I don't like Trump. I, I love Biden. He's just, he's not a bad guy, he's doing a good job and that it's bad enough. But people are dying now, and you would hope that even Democrats, staunch Democrats, who may hate Trump, at least admit that Joe Biden, he's a part of the problem. He's nowhere yeah. near a part of the solution. They can't even do that. Well, I hate to say, we've seen it the last couple of days, like the inevitable effect, sort of the snapback effect, where in the initial horror and shock of this attack, it's like we're, we're four square behind Israel. They need to do whatever they have to do to, hey, oh, wait a minute. This is a little too much. You know, you got to got to hold off. Don't do this. Don't do that. And unfortunately, that that is that sentiment's only going to grow, certainly internationally and, and here in the United States. And it just we need to push back against that as hard as we can. Agreed. Biden did some of that last night. Well, I, I, mm-hmm. I you know, I know that Israel knows the rules of war. And, and I've said it about 10 times this morning. And if I sound insensitive, tough, I don't remember Hamas practicing the rules of war at 6 a.m. on a Shabbos holiday morning. Now, are we better than that? I don't know. I don't think I want to be better. I think I want to annihilate these people, and I don't want to kill innocent women and children, but there is something called casualties of war, and Israel must win at any cost. Bottom line. Yeah, but you want to, you want to avoid civilian casualties as much as possible. And this is why. What, did they? They're going, Did they? Huh? What? Did they? 
Did today. they try to avoid civilian casualties when no, they no, stormed? No, they, they didn't, but you are. We are. Israel is better than that. Who said that? So you, who, you who, wanna, said that? who said that? You want to undertake the military operations you need to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be painful. Kill everybody. Civilian casualties. But this is the whole point of the evacuation yeah. order. If they're going in on the ground, yeah. you don't want civilians like living in the middle of that. It's the worst, toughest kind of Listen fighting. Listen to me clearly, okay? And Hamas wants them to stay. Kill everybody. Israel wants them to go. Kill them all. That's it. We've given them days to get the hell out of there. Now they're saying, well, it's not our fault because we want to leave. And some of these innocent people do. God bless them. I want them to, to get away. I really do, on a serious note. And Hamas is blocking the roads because Hamas would like exactly. nothing more than to see their own people get destroyed to exactly. place the blame on Israel. So it is sad right. uh, from that respect. But I don't want to hear oh, a strength. And, I just, you know, and it, in Egypt, you know, it, it's always on Israel. But Egypt has a border crossing, right? <laughs> they can yeah. they can let all these people into Egypt and, and give them uh, – a safe, safe space, the innocent civilians, and, and the, the world can um, provide them food and water and all the rest of it. But they shouldn't stay in the, the midst of Gaza City, given what uh, seems to be coming. But by the way, if Egypt opens up the borders, don't you also run the risk of allowing some of these Hamas animals and leaders and officials and generals a safe escape as well? They're cowards. Yeah, you know that. Yeah, that. yeah, that would be a risk. And, and this, is why, <laughs> yeah. this is why Egypt has, you know, everyone's talked about the Israeli blockade over time. Egypt had a blockade as well, right, for, yeah. for this very reason. They didn't want to deal with the chaos coming out of Gaza any more than Israel did. Yeah, you're right. Which, uh, as always, great job. I mean, All right, you, you are great. Thank you. Which Lowry, folks, editor, National Review, and uh, NBC, and Politico, and all those great stuff. He is the perfect Monday morning guest, my friend, Which Lowry. Only halfway through. It's been a great show already. Still a lot more to come. Brett Baer. Very popular Fox News host makes his debut on this program coming up at 9.30. Lee Zeldin, almost governor here. He's got a lot to say. He's coming up at 9.10. Dove Hykend is coming up next. He's live in Israel. He went purposely to be there after the war started. We've got Liz Pipko live in studio. And the great one himself, Mark Levin, back on Sitting Friends in the Morning, coming up at 8.40. Monster two hours about to come your way. Keep it right here. WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. No, I would not give you false hope. Our guy Pete Morgan. Mr. Peelers Borders himself. He'll be at the Garden tonight. He says it'll be a good diversion. Rangers, one and one in the early season. Beat Buffalo, lost to Columbus, our home opener tonight. Pete will be there. Joe Takapina will be there for a little diversion. And yet my friend Dove Hyken, I love this man so much. I got to tell you, nearly four decades as a very important Jewish assemblyman in Borough Park and uh, did something a couple of weeks ago which I thought showed great courage. 
He's no longer a Democrat. He has switched to a Republican. Him and Tulsi Gabbard, I love both of them. But he um, he's not going to the Ranger game tonight for a diversion. He went to the action. He went to Israel right after the Hamas atrocities took place. And he's live in Israel this morning, and I believe he's in a city that was bombed by Hezbollah on Saturday night where a farmer was killed up in the north. But I could be wrong. Let me talk to a Dove Hyken right now. Dove, it's Sydney back in New York. How are you, pal? Not good. No? No. What happened? <clears throat> I'm sorry. One sec. Okay. I've seen too many horrors in the places I have visited today. In places like Sade Road, Faraza, I, I saw places where girls were undressed, raped, mothers and fathers shot in the face, families driving the car, mother and father, children shot. The most horrible things imaginable. I mean, I thought before I came out here today, I'm wearing a bulletproof vest, have my helmet, a lot of soldiers around. Uh, I'm actually in a place called, I was just in Kfaraza, which is right on the border. Uh, oh, my God, Sid, it's almost like if you don't come and see it, and I, obviously people are not going to do that, you cannot imagine the animalistic behavior, the sick, barbaric things that were done to Jews. I'm talking about civilians now. It's beyond, beyond description. Anything that you've heard and you've seen horrible stuff, children being burned. One room where I was just now, Kfaraza, where 30 children were burned at a room. You hear me? Burned to death. So it's been tough. It's, uh, you know, uh, it, it's uh, it's just horrible what what is what has happened to the Jewish people. Uh, we were driving all over on these roads, and by the way, bombs are you can hear explosions uh, on a regular basis where I am. Uh, and uh, you're driving around. Sid, one of the things I saw, which was unbelievable, the greatness of the Jewish people. We stopped the car, and members of Zaka, and I know you're familiar with them. They collect body parts. Yeah which has been a tough task these days, you know, less than half of the bodies of the Jews have been identified. You can imagine why. You can imagine their condition. But we stopped on the highway here uh, and said, I will never, I don't know how I'm going to sleep tonight. The smell of dead bodies. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you what that was like. But these two dead bodies on the road on the side were the bodies of terrorists. And the Jews, the way they treated the bodies with respect, I saw the bodies being loaded into bags. Yeah, I know that when they killed our boys, for example, they urinated on them, they set them on fire. Not nearly the same respect. I'm just curious, though, we are now, we're now nine days removed from the original atrocities committed on that Saturday Shabbos holiday morning. And I, for some reason, I thought you were further from the actual towns where that happened. But are you telling me that nine days later, well, there's no bodies there, or maybe the scent of death and maybe blood? But are, those, are there still bodies yeah, yeah. there? Well, the well, the bodies, the body. There, first of all, there are still bodies in certain places. But the, the, what I described just now were two terrorists 
that we stopped the car. The bodies were being put into bags. I saw it. I was there. Uh, the person that I'm, we couldn't, we couldn't deal with the smell, with the unbelievable, and even in, in the Jewish, we went into houses of Jews in Kfar Azitz, right on the border. This place was massacred, massacred, almost every single house destroyed, turned upside down. Uh, and they were telling us literally in each room what went on, what was done to young women, what was done to mothers and fathers, their hands tied behind their back. I mean, Sid, honest, I cannot describe in detail. No, no, I know. So, so let me ask you this, though. I cannot do it. Yeah. But whatever you're imagining, yeah, it's worse than that. So, so when the UN says, "Listen, there's an urgent need for a ceasefire to allow humanitarian aid to get to Gaza because these poor Palestinian people are running out of food and medicine and water," seeing what you've seen the last couple of days, including this morning, I have to imagine that a ceasefire is not something you want to see, right? You want to see Israel go in and annihilate these people. Oh, there's no, there will be no ceasefire. The U.N. can go to hell. Uh, They, Hamas will be destroyed, Sid. There is no question about it. And there's no other way, not just for the Jewish people, but also... But also for the Palestinians. The but, but let me, let me stop for a second. But, 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 I know, but everybody's on the same page, even the president. Everybody wants Hamas destroyed. Where there seems to be a disconnect for me is, I'm not sure how you destroy Hamas without killing innocent civilians. And folks seem to be up in arms about that, even the president. Are you or do you just consider it casualties of war? There were, yeah, I was just told by the uh, one of the leaders of Zaka. He just came over to me. It just been confirmed that there are a hundred and ninety nine hostages, hostages being held. Yeah, one. And by the way, this includes little children, little babies, grandmothers, grandfathers. You hear this? The youngest is two and a half years old. Sid, yeah. who are we dealing with? Israel must do whatever it needs to do. Period. End of the story. You know, look, they are warning people to get out of the way. Uh, Hamas, as you know, it's incredible. There was an incident where 70 Arabs, Palestinians, were killed as a result of a bomb from Hamas because they don't want people to leave. Can you imagine this? It is so beyond. And this is, you know, over the years, Sid, and I've been here. I've run from those bombs in, in, to hide and so on. This time, it's got to end. There cannot be any more, you know, uh, missiles being shot at Israel. Would anyone in America tolerate missiles being shot at our cities or people in, in, in London or people in Paris or people in other countries of the world? No country in the freaking world would tolerate anything like this. And Israel has permitted this to happen. It's over. It's done with. I promise you, they will destroy Hamas once and for all. Period. End of the story. Uh, Sid, I wish, I wish I had you next to me today. Mm. It would have changed your life. Yeah. You would not have believed what I saw today. Mm. I, I'm sick. I really am. I'm sick. My heart goes out to you and, of course, uh, all the people and the victims there. I know that I have not been able to enjoy much the last nine days, and I'm in Queens, I'm in Brooklyn, I'm in Manhattan. I could just imagine 
being uh, where you are today. What does the rest of your day Dove hiking look like? Well, it's visiting these communities. The communities were attacked. You know, along the roads for miles and miles, you see vehicles. People were driving. Jewish families were driving on the roads, and they were shot to death in in the hundreds, Sid. And you see still the cars abandoned. You see the motorcycles of the terrorists who came in with motorcycles. I, I have in my pocket bullets that I was collecting in they wrote where 57 civilians, men, women, and children were murdered. No, no, not murdered. Butchered. Butchered. I can't describe to you what they did to, to uh, a mother who was pregnant and what they did to her. I know. It was much like Sharon using Tate. A ni- using a knife. Yeah. Et cetera. Did you yeah. hear me? No, I know. It was, like the, it was like the Sharon Tate murder with Charles Manson. Explosions? Yes. We just had explosions, a bunch of them. Just now? Yeah, close by. How far is that away from us? Five miles. Five miles. Huge explosions. Anyway, Sid, uh, what can I tell you? I, I'm just, I thank God that I have the opportunity to be here and uh, to be with my people on the front lines. I'm looking at amazing people here who are dedicated, devoted. They are strong. There's no question this has traumatized the nation. You know, uh, you know. You know, the Nazis, when they were murdering Jews, as you know, they didn't want the world to know. If you were a SS member and you were killing Jews and you send a postcard of dead Jews to your wife or girl. Oh, you heard that? I did hear that. Oh, my God. Yes. Okay. Maybe you should run to a shelter, Dove. Maybe you should run no, to a we're, shelter. We're okay. We're okay. We, I got a lot of people around me from Zaka uh, who, again, I, I say, oh, did you hear that? Yeah. Oh, God. Okay. Uh you know, uh, you know. Imagine collecting body parts. No, no. This is what they do. Young people. I'm looking at these beautiful young people. Yeah. And and my host Yassi, who is remarkable, absolutely yeah. remarkable. And I wanted to tell the story of of John Geofrank. Can I tell that story? You have about two minutes. Go ahead, pal. Okay. Well, I just, you know, great things happen even during difficult times. And John Geoffrey is an old friend of mine. He's from uh, Bay Ridge, Toyota. You know, he he, he wrote me a note, uh, texted me when I was here saying he'd like to uh, give some money for, for some cause here. Uh, and I said, okay, fine. Let me go to the South and see where exactly they need money. Anyway, he you know, he got on my back yesterday, literally yesterday, uh, you know, and he said to me, look, I want to do this. And he, he he's Again, the explosion, yeah, $60,000, $60,000 wow. wow. to help the groups here. This is a new – oh, did you hear that? I do. I hear them all. Okay. 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 I'm sorry. Uh, anyway, listen, Sid, I love you. Love you, too. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to share this with you. Be audience. careful. Uh, okay. It's, it's – uh, I, I thank God I have the experience, really. That's all I can say. Just be careful, Okay. Be careful. I love you. I will, Sid. Love right. you, Sid. I love you, too. Wow. That's pretty um, rough. Dove hiking live in Israel. Let's get a, uh, I guess we'll take a break here, right? Yeah, let's take a break and come back. I know they say let it be. Just don't work out that way. In the course of a lifetime run. Over and over again. No, I would not give you false hope now. On the street. 
entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Favorite Billy Joel song ever, Summer Highland Falls, off of Turnstiles. My friend El McLean listens every day. That he says are maybe the most compelling segment in recent radio history, and that was pretty intense with former Assemblyman Dove Hyken live in Israel. And you can hear those bombs going off real loud, less than five miles away. Uh, Noam, you seem to think that those were. Some of the rocket fire hitting the, the dome, is that what you think? Yeah, I, I've actually been there when that stuff's happened. And usually what it is is the reason you hear the explosion so loud is that the Iron Dome is sending off its missiles to, you know, to explode the ones that are coming from wherever they're coming Intercept from. Intercept them and take yeah. them out of the sky. Yeah, so yeah. then the explosion's really loud. Yeah. If you want to help some of these folks out, I know that Doe talked about that gentleman from Bay Ridge. We sent them $60,000. Koshertroops.com. They are collecting money for the IDF koshertroops.com. And this goes to uh, feed these brave souls and uh, clothe them and, and all those things. Koshertroops.com. The great one makes his return to this program, Mark Levin. He's coming up in about five minutes. And I was watching your face, Liz, about that whole segment. And um, you're, um, you're disturbed, to say the least. I'm more than disturbed. Over yeah. the, the weekend when the images started coming out, there was one, I don't know if you saw it, of like two bodies in a car, and they were just completely burned. Charred. There were four bodies. Yeah, I just I the sat there the throwing up for like four hours. Yeah. I could not stop vomiting. My body shut down. It was the most horrific thing I've ever seen. And that's like a natural human response. That's before realizing these are my own people. These are yeah. Jewish people. Anyone who's Jewish knows that we are all brothers and sisters. People don't get it, but it's just who we well, are. Well, that's why I reached out to Mark Levin yesterday. And um, he actually said to me, and his quote was, uh, I should have done this too. He said, you're a stand-up guy, Sid Rosenberg. I should have done this, too. And right now, yes, if you're a Jew, we're in this together. We're all in this together. I mean, you know, again, don't don't get offended. I know that if you're a goy, you're you're, you're, you're upset, too. I get it, okay? But it is more personal. Do, uh, did you have something else, Noam, you wanted to add to the... Uh... Uh, to go on what you guys were saying, I got really angry this weekend. And I don't even know if it was a legit video, but I was scrolling through TikTok, and there was a video of what seemed to be Hamas militants holding on to two of the kids that. that had been kidnapped. Yeah. And I just, I was just outraged. I was brought right back in. And, and when you talk about it being a Jewish thing, we all feel it because we know people who know people or you know people directly. Yeah. And everywhere you go, if you meet up with somebody who's Jewish, it's the first thing you talk about. Like, what is going on there? And I think uh, even non-Jews are doing the same thing today. But yeah. certainly if you're Jewish, it, um, it hurts, you know. And, uh, 
my kid uh, goes to school, I told this to the mayor, he didn't go to school on Friday because we did keep him home for that uh, global jihad nonsense. If you're an adult, you should have gone to work. But I did keep my son home. And Thursday, he didn't go because he was here for the radiothon. So he sent him back to school today, and he was upset because the last time he was in school, some of his schoolmates were saying things like, ha, you're about to be extinct. I mean, he's 14. So it's um, it's out there. It's everywhere. And we have to remain strong, very strong, and make sure that we defeat the enemy at any cost. I will right, we'll take a short break. When we get back once again, the great one, Mark Levine, returns to the program. Levin, I should say. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. The greatest ally the terrorists have in the United States is the American media. Just as it was the greatest ally of the Nazis by covering up the Holocaust, the American media has Jewish and other blood on its hand and has for decades and decades and decades. And it seems like they don't take a corrective course either, do they? That's the great Mark Levin on his terrific show, Life, Liberty, Levin on Fox News. He's on Saturday and Sunday now. He took uh, He's on 8 o'clock before Kilmeade and One Nation on Saturdays. On Sundays, and of course... Does a great job on this station, 6 p.m. every weeknight. And you guys know there's a little bit of a disagreement back and forth with uh, me and the great one. But I reached out to Mark. I saw him on Fox News yesterday morning. I thought he was brilliant. He happens to be one of the smartest people I've ever seen, ever. He just is. And uh, he was the first one to tell you, forget about the $6 billion. Iran has enough money to really fund any attack they want, just based on the oil money they made the last couple of years, because that creep Biden loosened up all the restrictions and sanctions and enforced nothing. Levin was the first to tell you that, you know. So I came to the realization yesterday that at this time of need, I'm a Jewish man and the biggest voice in this city, that I don't want to fight with Mark Levin. I need Mark Levin. In fact, all of us need the biggest Jewish voices, whether it's Levin, Rosenberg, Ben Shapiro, to come together and offer some sense of solace and answer to this crazy world, which is going to get worse. It's going to get worse because you've got an administration in place that aids the terrorists. They don't even know it sometimes. God knows what's going to happen here in this city. I am scared to death here in New York. So with that said, here he is, deservedly the great one, my friend Mark Levin. Welcome back, Mark. How are you this morning? Sid, I'm great, and I want your audience to know you reached out to me. You are a mensch. We should never let anyone or anything come between us again. Nothing will. Thank you for saying that. It means a lot to me, and it does. And watching you on TV yesterday is just just a reminder how important you are, how important your voice is to all of us. And, you know, you're going back and forth with Campos on Fox. Uh, that's fine. But, but you use the word that's kind of a dirty word, and that word is nuclear, and I'm watching you going, you know what, he's making a whole lot of sense. So tell the audience exactly what that back and forth was about yesterday and why, in fact, maybe Israel should use a word like that in an effort to deter. You know, they keep saying, Sid, if Hezbollah attacks from the north and Iran attacks, what then? 
what then? What then? Okay, then I said, let's answer the question. You keep asking the question, what then? They don't have enough men to fight a three-front war. I mean, Iran itself has, I don't know, 100 million, 75 million. Uh, Hezbollah has 150,000 precision-guided missiles provided by Iran. Do you know what that would do to Israel? That would wipe it off the face of the earth. On top of that, you've got all these savages, these subhuman bastards who will do anything. People need to remember the only reason they stopped slaughtering Jews is because the IDF finally got there and put them down, stopped them. They would have rampaged for that whole country if they could wipe out 7 million people. And you see how they're, how they've, uh, taken over so much of the world with immigration, with student visas. Look what's going on around the world. You've got people protesting against Israel, defending itself, and our government's weak. And so if you're the prime minister of Israel and you're there and you're being attacked from the north, you're being attacked from the south, you're being attacked from the east, I just said, look, uh, those, those nuclear bombs, which Israel does not even acknowledge, they're not going to sit there and collect dust while 7 million people get wiped off the face of the earth. There are people. What would we do? What would we do if we were surrounded, if they're going to blow us out, if we had all these rapes and murders and tortures and beheadings and burning people alive? These people are not kidding. They're sick. So I said, we need to discuss the possibility that they would nuke Iran. And for some reason, I got people, uh, you know, going absolutely nuts. And, and I'm just, it's not, I'm not even advocating. I'm saying they may have to. I tried to give a little history with Harry Truman, uh, where we dropped the first two nuclear bombs, and I looked into that very deeply, and it's a funny thing. We didn't have our media talking about the Japanese and the Japanese children and everything. We needed to defeat them because we would have lost over a million soldiers. So I bring this up, and uh, people go nuts, and I'm saying, well, look, Iran needs to be sent a message. You want nukes? Israel has nukes. You get involved in this war, they may decide to take you off the face of the earth rather than you taking them off the face of the earth. And that doesn't mean the whole country, really. It just means, well, it means significant areas. But, you know, Putin goes around talking about nukes, nukes, nukes. Everybody's willing to talk about that and so forth. Israel simply, with at least uh, two-thirds of the world, is not allowed to defend itself, period. And with 90% of the media, it's not allowed to defend itself. There's a piece in this 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 Dan Abrams reprobate site called Media. I did. Mark <laughs> Levin and was talking to Ben Shapiro about the possi- about the media and how the media was uh, as Jewish blood on its hands. You know, said the New York Times. I've talked about it. It's been written. They apologized for it. Covered up the Holocaust. The New York Times, as I speak, is defending Hamas. They would deny that, but just read what they're saying. If Israel's not allowed to defend itself, yeah. then they're defending Hamas. Yeah. No, the last rally, the last uh, pro-Israeli rally I went to was uh, me, Dolph Hyken, Alan Dershowitz, a host of others, Mark, stood outside the New York Times building because they ran a cartoon with Donald Trump walking Bibi Netanyahu as if he was a dog. And, and to your point, uh, they, they absolutely 1,000% covered up World War II. I think they wrote four stories on the atrocities the Jews were facing and hundreds and hundreds defending the Germans. They are absolutely an anti-Semitic rag. But the whole Iran thing is is somewhat shocking to me. I don't know about you, Mark, but when I waited 90 minutes watching John Roberts on Fox News for the president to speak, for some reason, maybe I deluded myself, 
But for some reason, I really thought Biden was going to mention Iran in that first speech. And it was a feckless, uh, ridiculous speech. He supports Israel. Big deal. He told some story about Golda Meir, which you can't even trust these days. He never yeah. mentioned Iran. And even yesterday, again on 60 Minutes, well, there's not a heck of a lot of proof. Really? Everybody else is saying it. Joe, what else do you need, Mark? Yeah, including Hezbollah and Hamas. We don't need anything else. People need to understand we wouldn't be here but for the fact that Biden rearmed Iran with all that oil money. Trump cut them off. Uh, Biden won't enforce the Trump sanctions. And in fact, they're purposely looking the other way. And those oil sales are going to China, Venezuela, Syria, to our other enemies. And this is how they refunded. There were over 80 major uh, confrontations with the Iranian military. Only on four occasions did we actually do anything about it. He has turned the spigot on for the Palestinians. Hundreds of millions of dollars that Trump cut off. People need to understand something. This Abbas, who's the head of the Palestinian Authority, who everybody calls moderate, he funded and was the mastermind behind the 1972 slaughter of the Israelis at the Munich Olympics. He did that. He planned it. It was his money that he raised. He was the general in charge of it. He's also funding the slaughter of Jews and terrorists, which is why uh, Congress passed and President Trump signed the Teller Force Act. He was an American who, who a combat veteran, went to West Point, was visiting in Israel, and was murdered, along with 10 other people. And Trump said, that's enough. We're not giving these people money. Why? Because they, because Abbas and these so-called moderate Palestinians, they give pensions to the families. And the bigger the terrorist attack, and the more people you kill, the more pension, the more money they get in their pension. So Congress and this president cut it off, and Joe Biden's funding it. He's violating the law. He's funding it, hundreds of millions of dollars to Palestinian Authority. That doesn't swear off terrorism. So not only is the money disastrous because he rearms the Palestinians, he rearms the Iranians, but he sends the signals. And even now where we have one carrier group and another one coming, what does he say? Don't. 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 He doesn't really threaten. And as you point out, he won't even mention them. He won't even mention them. And, and here, you know, you mention all the things that Trump did, killing Soleimani, cutting their balls off, everything you just mentioned. And I got to deal with friends of mine, smart friends and media, going on and on that Donald Trump had the nerve to call Hezbollah smart and Israel stupid. Guess what? Guess what? In this attack, he's exactly right. Some people can't handle the truth, like Jack Nicholson said. Israel was stupid, and they were caught flat-footed, and these guys won this one. But who cares what Donald Trump is saying today when the fact is, Mark Levin, and maybe you can remind me, in the four years he was president, I didn't see folks dying in Israel. I didn't see innocents dying in Afghanistan like our American soldiers. I didn't see 600,000 Ukrainians dead. What do I care what Donald Trump said last week when he was president? Seemingly nobody died. You're 100% right because the media – and I want, I want people to realize Joe Biden wants to put Donald Trump in prison the rest of his life. <laughs> I, mean, I mean think about what's going on in our country. The border is wide open. You know there's terrorist cells in here. We have these colleges and universities, left-wing radical presidents and deans with these students for, for uh, whatever it is in Palestine, uh, justice in Palestine, which is funded by Hamas-associated terrorist groups on 300 of our campuses. That's why you see 
the protesting, quote-unquote, that's going on, the vile attacks, they're well-organized, they're heavily funded. We are destroying ourselves from within. And honestly, it is the left, it is the Democrat Party. Uh, the Democrat Party has a Hamas wing right there in Congress. Uh, they have, uh, But they have the media. And that's why you and I and Ben and everybody else, there's a lot of us, need to keep pushing back, pushing back, pushing back on every platform that we have. Because these are the people that killed 3,000 of our fellow citizens right there on the Twin Towers. These are the people who would blow us off the face of the earth. And go ahead and read Hamas's mission statement. It's not just about Jews. It's about Christians. It's about nonbelievers. It's about so-called soft Muslims. And uh, this is a worldwide movement. And the Israelis are taking the brunt of this now because of these terrorists and because of our idiocy in funding them. When Donald Trump had his foot on Iran's throat, their economy was collapsing. The people there were rising up, just like Reagan did with the Soviet Union. And then, he, and then Biden comes and lifts our foot off their throat and hands up $70 billion friggin' dollars. It's <laughs> unbelievable. It really is. And then last night on 60 Minutes, telling them, you know, restrain, and I understand what they want, but there are rules of war. And I get it, Mark, but I don't remember on that Saturday morning Shabbos on a Jewish holiday Hamas caring too much about the rules of war when they burned babies alive and raped all of our women and murdered all of our children and men. I don't remember that. And I'm not saying we should be as barbaric as they should be. But the last thing I want to hear as a tough Jewish kid from Brooklyn, Levine, is the word restraint. I want to hear yeah. annihilate. That's it. A hundred percent. Isn't that what we did in World War II, annihilate? I mean, were we counting the number of Japanese children we killed? Were we counting the number of Nazi children we killed? I mean, I've never it, – it's so preposterous. Like I said, if they had their way, there'd be 7 million dead Jews right there, and, and, they're, and they're gunning for us. They've infiltrated our – it's honestly, it's only a matter of time. You cannot have a border. Then we'll have a commission. What, ha what happened with Joe Biden? You don't shut the damn border. I mean, we've paid the price for this. New York has paid the price for this. Washington has paid the price for this. Central Pennsylvania, all the families that have suffered as a result of this. I mean, for God's sake, they killed 29 Americans over there. Yeah. 29. And, and the media, it's sort of in passing, they killed 29 and now 199 hostages. And they killed 29 Americans. In the past, you lay a finger on one American. You pay a price for that, whether it was Reagan or Trump, but even, even if it was Harry Truman or John Kennedy. Now it's okay, 29. Everybody, you know. Uh, back off. Don't yeah. be too aggressive. And by the way, they got more. I mean, listen, they've got probably yeah. 20 hostages. That number could be 50. Would you send right. special ops people in today to get our Americans out? We should go to Qatar that has the head of the Palestinians there. We should knock on their door, put a gun to his head, and tell him what to do. Qatar is no military. We one of our biggest bases right there. We have men right there. Uh, but, I mean, to tell you the truth, Qatar... Funds Hamas, Iran funds Hamas, but this little Qatar needs to be uh, dealt with. Uh, Turkey has had the uh, number of leaders of Hamas. Turkey and Qatar give these people five-star hotels. Their kids are driving around in Lamborghinis. <laughs> they, they light these fires all over the globe and so forth. We should say to Qatar right now, you extradite those bastards at us right now. We're putting them on trial for slaughtering 29 Americans. And if you don't, we're sanctioning you. They have tons of assets in this country. And we should say to Turkey, you either take, give us those guys now 
or we're cutting off our jets. And they'll say, well, we'll buy them from Russia. Well, good luck with that, pal. <laughs> Russia's got its own problems right yep. now. Yep. Boy, I like both of those ideas. People may not know this. There was a meeting in Qatar literally one week before Hamas pulled off what they did. People don't know this. With the leader of Qatar, the leader of Hamas, I believe there was an Iranian leader there as well. So Qatar, I'm glad you mentioned them, Mark Levin, but you're a genius. Of course you did. That is, uh, that is absolutely the issue. One more. Tomorrow, my, I'm friends with Nancy Mace. Uh, I told it to her face. I don't love what she did. I don't like what she did. Uh, I was perfectly okay with Kevin McCarthy. Maybe you're not, but I know this. Uh, no, two weeks. We got chaos the last two weeks, and we need a Speaker of the House, especially now. Do you agree, and what do you think happens? Well, I agree 100%. I I still don't understand why McCarthy was was fired up, because he was probably the most conservative speaker in my lifetime, and I even include my great friend Newt Gingrich. I mean, 30% cuts, money to enforce the border, and now look what we have. Uh, We're not going to get that now. And so, yes, I support Jim Jordan. Everyone should get behind Jim Jordan. They should install him as quickly. By the way, have you not, have you seen Matt Gates anywhere? Sir? No, no, he's a coward. Where's that coward? He's probably in Qatar. <laughs> but the but the eight of them. When I went through the list of the eight of them, when I've gone through it, these are not solid conservatives. I can go through each one of these people. Uh, the overwhelming majority conservatives with the Freedom Caucus. That was their proposal that McCarthy was proposing. Uh, they shot down the proposal, and uh, McCarthy and Jordan and the others have told me that, propo- and Chip Reed, that proposal was to be used, was negotiated with the conservatives in the Senate to use against McConnell. So they blew up the whole plan, and now they walk away, and now everyone else has to figure out what to do, and the rhinos are desperately trying to take advantage of this. So it's a disaster. You're 100% right. They need to do it quickly, and your dear friend Mace is one of them that blew it up. I agree. I'm very disappointed with her. Hey, finally, most importantly, the Democrat Party hates America. I really wanted to bring you on when the book came out, and uh, I'm glad I got the opportunity now. It's been out a bit. I know that. But it, it, it's a great book, and it's a book that uh, everybody should read. I have a feeling The View is not going to invite you on anytime soon or Gail King. So I'm going to give you an opportunity right here in New York to tell everybody what a great book it is and how easy it is to get it. Not a single liberal show has invited me on or ever does. And, uh, does that bother you? Does, does that bother you, Mark? Not in the least. They can all go to hell. Uh, <laughs> I don't need them. So uh, this was number one on the New York Times best list when it came out, and I do that because I know they grind their teeth over there. Look, if you really want to understand what's going on in this country or even worldwide, this party is a history. It is a history of destroying things, including our own country. All I can say is, because I know you're up against it, is I encourage people to read it and then pass it along to somebody else, because if we don't start winning elections, we're going to die. I really believe this. Well said. The Democrat Party Hates America by my friend, the great Mark Levin, the great one, 6 o'clock here on WABC, Saturdays and Sundays on Fox News. And I believe right now, with the conflict, the war in Israel, I really believe this, the most important voice in America, my friend Mark Levin. This was great. Thank you, buddy. Thank you so much. Good to be back with you, my brother. You love too. you, too. Take I love care. you. Thank you. Thank you. I love you, too. That is a great one, Mark Levin. That was terrific. Folks, catch him tonight at 6. We'll come back with the fourth and final hour, which includes Elizabeth Pipko, Lee Zeldin, and making his debut on Sid and Friends in the Morning, Fox News host Brett Baer. All that next hour.
Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Come and knock on our door. This sitcom Three's Company made Suzanne Summers a TV superstar in the late 1970s. Well, today we learned Summers died at her home in Palm Springs, California, after a long fight against breast cancer. She was also a successful businesswoman, revealing just last year that she made nearly $300 million marketing her Thighmaster workout device. Suzanne Summers was 76. She died one day before her birthday. You broke my heart and you made me cry. Said I couldn't dance, and now I'm back to let you know that I can really make romance. You do what you gotta do. You do Told you earlier, man, there was nothing like a Tuesday night. Tuesday night was the best when I was growing up. Eight o'clock, ABC, Channel Seven, ABC. Eight o'clock, Happy Days. Eight thirty, Laverne and Shirley. Nine thirty, no one watched it. Nine to five. Ten o'clock, the hobby was Maida. Heart to heart with Robert Wagner and Stephanie Powers, but 9 o'clock, Three's Company. Two of them are dead now. John Witter is long gone. He was brilliant. Now we lost Suzanne yesterday at 76. I think Joyce DeWitt is still alive. Uh, Don Knotts is gone, Mr. Furley, and uh, so is Norman Fell, who played Mr. Roper. I know my stuff when but it comes to that show. Still alive, the other guy. Who was the? Who was that guy? Is he a famous actor? He was in other things like probably Love Boat, probably. Yeah, everybody was on Love Boat. What's his name? Was on Love Boat like every week. Bert, uh, what was his name? Bert Convy. Bert Convy. He was a big star back then. He was on the Love Boat every week. Can you name three of the actors, Justin, from Love Boat before I get to Lee Zeldin? Absolutely not. Why not? Uh, never even heard of the program. You never heard of the Love Boat? Oh, wow. No. Now how old are I you? I hate know? your generation. Yeah. I really do. This is why they want to kill us. This is why they all want to kill us. <laughs> I'm dead serious. This is why. Yeah. I thought it was a Jonas Brothers, but it's you. What can you do? You never heard of the Love Boat? Nope. You know the song, though. The Love Boat. Now I do. Soon we'll be. <laughs> After that beautiful rendition. Oh, shut up. Uh, stupid. You, know, you <laughs> yeah. don't know Love so Boat. So stupid. Here, like stupid. 77 WABC listeners <laughs> join us on October the 20th. Uh, 77 WABC <laughs> and Ramsey Mazda back the blue with special programming all day. To all police officers everywhere, we thank you for your honor and dedication as you protect and serve. We love you guys. Download the 77 WABC app and listen all day October the 20th. Well, it's been a great show. From Alex Trayman, live in Israel, Dove Hiken, oof. Live in Israel, you heard the bombs going off right around him. He was less than five miles away. Rich Lowry, Curtis Sliwa, moments ago, Mark Levin, Elizabeth Pipko. My next guest, nearly the governor of New York, I wish he was. He ran a great race. Great congressman out of the fine city of Shirley, Long Island. He's my dear friend, Lee Zeldin. Lee, good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. Please don't ask me uh, to name cast members of the Love Vote either. Really? I <laughs> I, I mean, listen, I, I would say I have heard of The Love Boat. I remember The Love Boat. Uh, I remember a couple of the characters of it. But as far as the actors' names, yeah, no, that would that would escape me. And, and paying tribute to Suzanne Somers, I just have to say one thing. I love the fact that, that no matter how woke America and Hollywood would ever get, nothing was ever going to shake Suzanne Somers. She was, uh, she was someone who had her beliefs. And she supported causes and people who might have been on the other opposite side of the aisle, and that would upset Hollywood. 
but she was unapologetic about it, and I loved it. She was on our team, baby. You know, um, Lou Rafino leads out into this day, credits his uh, beautiful ass to her thigh master. Did you know that? Well, you know, that's uh, an important fact. They they, they just turned on the radio like five seconds ago, and they're like, I need to catch up. It's Monday morning. I've been out of pocket all weekend. (laughs) Now they're all caught up. Now they're all caught up. On a serious note, though, um, Danielle, my beautiful wife, you know very well, said to me last night, she read something you had written in the post. She goes, you got to get Leon. I go, I don't need an excuse, but okay, fine. So I had this little tiff for a couple of months. It was really immature. And I was the guy who was most heavy-handed with Mark Levin. And I reached out to Mark yesterday, and I said, listen, we need to come together, especially the big Jewish voices in America. Mark Levin, Sid Rosenberg, Ben Shapiro, Lee Zeldin. People need to hear from us. And uh, you're one of those people. So thank you for coming on today. And I think you'd agree that this, maybe now more than ever, is a time for all Jews to get on the same page and, and get on the same team and back Israel and not the other side. hundred percent. When we say never again, that wasn't a slogan or a punchline. And it wasn't something that when it would actually happen again, that any of us can, can be silent or, or cower or be complacent. And I've been encouraged by all the people who have been speaking up passionately uh, from the the left, you know, unfortunately, that's not universal. I mean, we've seen with Democratic Socialist America and Rashida Tlaib and what's going on at college campuses. So we have a, a lot of work to do. It's crazy how many people are outing themselves that when you start getting into uh, beheading babies and raping women and kidnapping hundreds and engaging in, in, in a massacre, that you would still – be out there refusing to condemn Hamas terrorists and doing what's right. But for the rest of us, with you know, in a, in a moment of absolute clarity, we all need to be speaking up with our full voice because never again wasn't a punchline. We meant it, and, and never again is now. You know, I saw a couple of thousand people, maybe more. And they were hanging out together, Lee Zeldin, on Friday afternoon in Times Square. Something tells me not one of those people screamed never again in all those hours they were congregated, and that's because they were pro-Palestinian. And this rally, the only rally I saw bigger was in London. The London rally scared the hell out of me. It was huge. But the fact that we've got this many people here in New York where there are more Jews than any other state in the country congregating almost daily makes me nauseous. They're not condemning Hamas terrorists like they should. They actually, some of them, dress up like they are Hamas terrorists. And the other ones, when asked by the reporters, what do you think about the atrocities, say, it didn't happen. That's Israeli propaganda. I swear they said that. And they are chanting, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. Think about what that what that means. They They have been talking for a long time as to what their goals are. Uh, This is a one-state solution that they advocate for where Israel does not exist. So we're not talking about a a situation where they're looking to just be able to, to, to have peace. 
as is, they're talking about getting rid of the state of Israel. And then something really interesting happened yesterday morning. I, I was flipping through the, the radio channels, and there was a station where Al Sharpton was the, the, the special guest, and it was uh, they, they had callers who were providing commentary and asking questions. And it really reminded me just how important it is for us to get into uh, more communities because, I mean, it was like folks were brainwashed and and being dumbed down purposefully. People were saying things that just were not true. And, you know, and Sharpton's basically saying that the reason why Israel is going uh, is carrying out this mission against Gaza is because Gaza is filled with black and brown people. Like Israel's is defending itself. You know, clearly, Israel has an inherent right of self-defense. You and I would be you know, the first to to recognize that, and we'd we'd all be outraged from thousands of miles away. The images that we saw when we woke up that Saturday morning. But to to suggest that defending yourself is inherently racist, uh, and and the amount of of blame that was getting put specifically on on Israel for what happened makes me think that you know what we you know you have a line up here where you're talking to passionate principled proud uh vocal jewish leaders and non-jewish leaders who just are are able to see this for what it is over there and and are speaking out there's other radio stations out there where there are people who are tuning in they're calling in they're asking questions and and you have people on air who are supposed to be like the voices of of reason and intelligence and thought and they are dumbing down the audience and it was just stomach churning uh to listen to that back and forth yesterday morning garbage well he's garbage i'm sorry he's just garbage he's he's a crook he, he's out there for one reason to make money he doesn't care about black people at all not even a little if he did he'd be in chicago every weekend he just wants to make sure that these you know, people keep donating it, it was an interesting tactic you know i, I realized uh as i'm listening to him that a caller would say a bunch of things that were were factually wrong, and then drawing opinions, conclusions based off of a factually wrong premise. And Sharpton, who's you know been around the block in how to navigate these kinds of interactions and conversations, he would not correct any of what was factually wrong. He would not take an issue with any opinion that was morally wrong. He, what he looks for is one kernel of that person's point to hammer in on and talk about until you get to the next caller. And it's just so important when you are a leader, when people follow you, they, they learn from you. They look up to you. It, it's it's on the right. It's on the left. And for you know, there, a lot of people look up to Al Sharpton for guidance for whatever reason. We might disagree with you know with whether or not people yeah. should be doing that. Yeah. But there's a responsibility for these leaders on the left sure. to lead those who follow them, as opposed to as opposed to being led by them. Agreed. Look, uh, one of the more embarrassing moments in my whole career was when the whole Imus crew had to apologize to Sharpton after the Rutgers comments. And I said, wait a second, that's the guy you pick 
It's kind of like making George Floyd the face of the revolution. Yes, that man was murdered, God rest his soul, but he was a lowlife. He shouldn't be the face of any revolution. Same thing with Sharpton. That's the guy you have to apologize to. He couldn't care less. Anyway, yeah, let me get to the the leaders here in New York before we wrap this thing up. Lee, and I love you. You know that. Uh, specifically the governor, only because a lot of us wish you were governor. We really do. Um, and you ran a great race, a testament to you. But she did win this witch, this Kathy Hochul. How would you rate her response so far? Um, you know, listen, it's it, it's it's easy, and this is a good thing. It's easy to do what's right in this situation. Uh, and you know, I, I have a lower bar set for. Uh, for Hochul, because there's been so much that I strongly disagree with, and there's you know stuff that I've been un- unimpressed by. Uh, you know, so far it's it's been you know basic. It's it's basic. You, you know, you speak up for what is right. Uh, you work with uh, the State Department or the consul's office in trying to get New Yorkers home. Uh, we have hostages from New York who are currently being held in Gaza. One of them is a, a Long Islander who uh, you know, I know many people who know that family well, so it's something that uh, you know, I've been in, involved with and aware of uh, since you know, days before it was reported. Um, I, I would, I would you know, and Eric Adams gave a good uh, speech that was praised uh, by many in the Jewish community. Uh, there's a four-minute clip that went viral, and a lot of people are happy with what he said. Uh, this is really easy, basic stuff. Yeah. And, I, you know, I commend everyone for, you know, who's in office or not, who's saying and doing the right thing. Um, but, man, anyone who's out there in a moment like this, and you don't know what to say. You don't know how to lead. You're a dean on a college campus where Jewish students are, are crying because they have to walk past people who, you know, who hate them, dressed as Hamas terrorists and chanting you know, uh, threats. Uh, th- this is a moment where it should be really easy for, for a basic leader to be able to lead. And unfortunately, there are too many people failing. Uh, but that that is like the lowest bar. That's right, like of course. The easiest of course. test of leadership. Right. Like Biden did that day. We support Israel. Great. Now what are you going to do about it? 30 seconds to go. Last 30 seconds. Based on, at least I base this on experience, not hypothesis. The man ran the country for four years. Lee Zeldin, if Donald Trump was president today, would this have ever happened? Well, I, I think that a lot – well, first off, there's there's no way to guarantee Obviously, that right. a, a light of conflict, uh, you know, a fire is uh, is is set um, no matter who's in power on any day. You can't guarantee it. But what I do know is that during four years, there weren't new conflicts. There, was, there were more peace agreements between Israel and others. There was There was no – New conflict, nothing like this had happened. There was the Abraham Accords. We moved the embassy in Israel to Jerusalem, recognized Israeli sovereignty over the Golan Heights, got rid of the fatally flawed Iran nuclear deal. Uh, There was funding that was cut off to some of these uh, entities where where the money was going to bad places. A lot was going in the right direction during four years. And a lot right now is going in the opposite direction, and I'm concerned about it. Can I guarantee that this 
you know, wouldn't happen. I don't care how good the president is at any given time. All I do know is that during four years of the last administration, there was a heck of a lot of stuff going in the right right yeah. direction. We were not waking up on a Saturday morning to this. Yeah. I can guarantee it because it was funded by Iran, and when Trump was president, they had no money. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that's one of the best points is what you just said. On 9-11, the Biden administration announced $6 billion ransom payment <laughs> yeah. to Iran, and, yeah. and they want to say, like, Iran has nothing at all to do with this. <laughs> 93% of Hamas's military budget is from Iran, uh-huh. and the supreme leader of Iran was tweeting his support in videos of the massacre Correct. At, that, at that festival. So, yeah, no, it's, it's moments like this for President Biden. That, that he should be calling out uh, uh, Iran, President Trump wouldn't have even entered into that ransom payment in the first place on September 11th. There you go. Lee Zeldin, you're brilliant. You're great. I love you. Thank you for hopping on today. And, and uh, you're one of those voices, man. You say something, you write something, and me and Danielle are all over it. So thank you for hopping on today. Terrific job, buddy. Anytime. Thank you. All right. All right. Stay Bye-bye. safe. Okay. All right. Take care. Uh, we got uh, Brett Baer. Brett Baer making his debut on Sitting Friends in the morning. He's got a lot of eyes on him every night at Fox News. But quickly, quick weekend uh, sports wrap-up. NJ Diet, loser contractually guaranteed 20 to 40-plus pounds in just 40 days. 8555-NJ-DIET, njdiet.com. Arthur Turvitz back on this Monday. And, uh, well, the Eagles are no longer unbeaten. There are five five-in-one teams but the Eagles are no longer unbeaten, and the loss comes to the Jets. How tough was that for you? <laughs> yeah, I, I was at the I was at the game. You know, this time, it's tough talking sports uh, during uh, what's going on. It reminds me of uh, our, our, our former Chief Justice Earl Warren had a great quote that I always turn to the sports page to record to the sports page first, which records man's accomplishments. The front page has nothing but man's failures. No, no truer words during a time like this, I think. But uh, yeah, Eagles are five and one. Tough, tough loss. Uh, tough loss to the Jets. Tough to do anything when you throw four intercept, three interceptions and you have a fumble. And the one at the end was actually horrible. I have no idea where the heck he was throwing that ball to. Uh, no answers for the Jets defense. They played great. Uh, can't say anything about that. Uh, I think they were out. The Eagles were out coached, uh, outplayed uh, defensively, and so forth. Uh, and uh, they're five and one, and it's nice to see that the Giants are one and five. <laughs> yeah. tough, uh, tough, tough end zone no call. That was definitely, and they should have had another shot at that one. He dragged them down. Yeah. That was definitely a pass interference call. But uh, yeah, they're one and five, so that gives me some solace. Uh, and uh, the Eagles have a tough stretch now. The next eight games are, are really, really difficult. The Chiefs on the road, Dallas twice, the Seahawks in there, the Dolphins on Sunday night. So tough stretch for them. Hopefully they can bounce back and uh, get back in the groove. And uh, the Phils, let's not forget about the Phils going up against the D-backs tonight uh, and hopefully get into the World Series, maybe get four more wins here and then uh, on to the World Series. So positives, positives for the Philly crowd. So not bad, not bad. No, not bad at all. Uh, you're right. Thank you for hopping on on this on Monday morning, pointing out the Philly's success despite the Eagle loss yesterday, still one of the five Five and one teams in the NFL off the tour of it. And you're right, the Phillies trying to get back to their second straight World Series, taking on an Arizona team that has not lost a playoff game yet. In fact, the Texas Rangers in the American League and the Arizona Diamondbacks in the NL have not lost. NJ Diet, folks, loser contractually guaranteed 20 to 40 plus pounds in just 40 days. Contact them at 855-NJ-DIET or NJDiet.com. We'll come back with Brett Baer making his debut on Sitting Friends in the Morning. He's coming up. Thank you.
77 WABC. This is Sit and Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have them? 77 WABC. All right. 9.33, Monday morning, New York City. Been a great show. This guy, Alex Freeman, who calls us live from Jerusalem every day. The JNS.org is amazing. Curtis Sliwa, Rich Lowry. Mark Levin. Mark Levin was great about 30 minutes ago. Lee Zeldin. And how about the Dove Hiken call? Still giving me chills. Hearing those bombs go up in the background and hearing Dove Hiken break down and cry was a lot. So I watch Brett Bear every night at 6 o'clock on Fox News. Brett's a very, 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 very talented guy. He's got a new book out. It is To Rescue the Constitution, George Washington and the Fragile American Experiment. Here he is. From Fox News, the very talented, making his debut on Sitting Friends in the Morning, Brett Baer. Brett, good morning. How are you, pal? Good morning. Sitting Friends. Good to be here. Nice to have you. We did steal that from Fox. I get no complaints from Kilmeade, <laughs> Ducey, or Ainsley. <laughs> and I got a lot of friends, Bear, a lot of friends. So this may be your opportunity to be one of those guys. So welcome to the show. Uh, before Thank we get, you. you're welcome. Before we get to the book, I do watch you every night. I love your Beltway stuff. I love all your national stuff. You're a very, very bright guy, obviously. Uh, I want to get your take on Biden, his 60 minutes piece last night, where once again, once again, given the opportunity, he refuses to make Iran part of this attack, which they are 1,000% a part of, 1,000%. And secondly, that whole restraining thing, you're kind of, kind of warning Israel, do what you got to do, but don't. Well, which one is it? Yeah, I, I noticed that, too, and I think the administration is bent over backwards to try to avoid the talk about Iran. And it is obvious every time, you know, whether it's the $6 billion, which they focus on for days, and it's not even that. I mean, it's more about the, the loosening of sanctions and, and enforcing those that are enabled Iran to have billions and billions of dollars that funnels to Hamas and Hezbollah. I, I listened to that exactly the same way you did. Um, I think there is this this reticence, reluctance of the administration to go down that road for fear they're going to have to change some Iran policy that they've had for the last two years. And as far as the warning, um, they've said a lot of good things over the past couple of weeks. But when they start going there before some Israeli operation, obviously it's a it's a bit of a mixed message. Yeah, it really is. And look, to the Israelis' credit, Brett, as you know, they have warned the folks in Gaza to leave. This is, I think, day three or day four of the race to evacuate. Now, some of these folks, unfortunately, it's actually sad, have been uh, blockaded by Hamas, who want these people to die as martyrs. They don't want to die, but Hamas wants them to die. And others are just heeding Hamas's warnings and just staying home. But you know what's going to happen, Brett, and it's going to happen everywhere, even your channel, Fox News, everywhere, eventually pro-supporters of Israel are going to go the other way. They're going to go the other way, Brett, because people are going to die. Women will die. Children will die, just like the Israelis did, without any warning, without any warning on that Saturday morning. So they're trying here, Israel. Hamas is blocking it. And in the end, Israel is going to be the bad guy. Mark my words. Yeah. I, I'm, unfortunately, I agree with you because it's uh, the writing's on the wall. And we can already see some of that around the world in public opinion, 
and it hasn't even started yet in earnest. And, and listen, I spent time in Iraq and dealt with special operators, and that urban fighting, that building-to-building, street-to-street fighting is ugly, and it's public. And Hamas is historically uh, uses children and families as, as shields, and we know this. So we know those images are going to be out there, and it's going to be part of the public push that Hamas makes. Uh, we can only hope that some of them get out of the way. Yeah, one more before I get to the book. Uh, you know, I love Trump. I'm friendly with Trump. He's on this show quite a bit. I'll be honest with you because I love you, too. I watch you every night. I thought you were a little rough on him last time you interviewed him. In fact, I think you were too rough. But that's okay. You do? I do. Yeah, but that's okay. Uh, yeah. but he, said, he said it was tough but fair at the end. But uh, yeah. I get it. You know, like you got to ask him some tough questions. To his credit, he takes all the questions. He, no, he does. He does. He takes them, and, 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 and sometimes he answers them. Sometimes he just kind of grins at you. That's scary enough. But on a serious note, uh, you look at what he, what he did when he was uh, the president, and we had none of these issues. I mean, the world, Brett Baer, is on fire. It's a mess here in America and all over the world, and a lot of these issues just were not there when Donald Trump was there. Like him or not, you can't argue that. Now, you can look at a record. You definitely can. And uh, I think that that's what he's going to run on. I, I Listen, publicly, he says a lot of things. He had a tough <laughs> run where he was talking about um, Bibi Netanyahu and not being a fan of when he, you know, the Qasem Soleimani thing. And he, he was talked publicly over the last couple of weeks, and it didn't seem like it fit in the moment. But you're right on, on uh, what he did and what his administration did. You can't take that away from him, and that's really what he should be running on. So when you write the book to rescue the Constitution, George Washington and the Fragile American Experiment, which I want to hear about, because I love these books. Uh, you do a great job with these. Uh, Kill Me is a good friend of mine. Uh, he does, too. I'm waiting for the book one day to come out in about 30 or 40 years about Trump. There have been many now, but, I mean, yeah. when it's all said and done. But uh, tell us about this specific book and exactly what you wrote about a very first-ever president, George Washington. Yeah, so this, this is the fifth of my presidential uh, books, and I really love this process. I'm kind of addicted to it. So, and I think, uh, and as is Brian, and we've talked about this, and it, the effort is to kind of put readers in the room, in the narrative. And my deal is to look through a soda straw and look at a moment in history that's kind of overlooked and see how a leader gets there, deals with it, and what it means for us today. And so this time is right after the Revolutionary War. The British are defeated. We moved on as a country, but we are fighting each other, and it's really a mess. It's chaotic. We're held under the Articles of Confederation kind of loosely, but it's not working. And, in fact, a lot of people want to go back to British rule. That's how much it, it's really bad. And at that moment, they called the Constitutional Convention, May of 1787, and they tapped George Washington, the head of the Revolutionary Forces, to lead this thing. And if not for him, we would not have gotten this over the finish line. And I go through that and why he is this indispensable man in the room. And you get to see him more as a person than just a painting on the wall, you know? Well, Mark Levin, who was on with me at uh, 840, is on this station, 6 o'clock He's every awesome. night. He's great. And he wrote a very nice, I see here, he was one of the guys that wrote one of those back page cover deals uh, for you, which is great. you got a bunch of very impressive people. So let me ask you, Brett, what can our leaders today learn from George Washington? What, what can they do today to kind of, um, I don't know, put some water on the fire? Yeah, and I think that's a great question. And researching and writing this kind of gave me a sense of hope, to, not because 
the birth of our country was, was smooth, but because it wasn't. It was chaotic. It almost collapsed many times. And we can look back and say, listen, we've been in some dark places, and we've managed to get through. That dissent is baked in the cake of who we are, but, but so is union. And meshing dissent with union and figuring out how to move the ball forward is what Washington did. And that's what I think we can, we can learn from them. We could use a, a Washington or two mm-hmm. right now. To rescue the Constitution, George Washington and the fragile American experiment. Brett, uh, you are terrific. You know, you, you, you got a great way of delivering the news. You're very confident. I like that about you. You look very nice. You're a Capitals <laughs> fan. I've looked past that. F the Capitals. I'm a Ranger fan. But otherwise, oh, I love yeah. you, Tom. <laughs> thanks, man. Hey, thanks for having me on. Hey, thank you for being here. Continued success, Brett. God bless you. There he is, Brett Bear, here on Sitting Friends in the Morning. This is Sitting Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Chuck in. Happy birthday, Bob Weir, Grateful Dead. Play some more of this, baby girl. Chuck it. Arrows of neon and flashing marquees out on Main Street. Chicago, New York, Detroit, and it's all on the same street. You know, I, uh, I realized a couple of moments ago that I say the most horrible things to Noam Layden, which uh, you guys all laugh, but like, for example, moments ago, when Liz, you heard this, I he's not paying attention, he's talking to Jimmy Flippin, but just moments ago, I walked out into the newsroom and screamed for everybody to hear, there's Noam Layden, he's a Palestinian sympathizer. Oh, God. <laughs> and, um... Flippin turned around and said, yeah, he is. Oh, then he's even worse. Well, you think Flippin's a Palestinian sympathizer? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm sorry. No, I'm only kidding when I say some of these things. Not when I was serious, but most of the time I'm kidding. I'm sorry. No, I'm I'm apologizing to you. What's that for? I didn't hear what you said. Well, I say horrible things to you. It's a good thing. You don't need to know. Stay out of it. God, (laughs) jeez. Take your headsets off and talk to Flippin about nonsense. (laughs) About when Bobby Bonilla is getting paid again. That's exactly what we were talking about. (laughs) When's Bobby Bonilla Day? When's he getting paid again? What is this uh, event that uh, you've talked about with me uh, this morning, Liz? uh, What's it called? Eigenheimer? The Alga Miner. Alga Miner. Yeah. Hey, uh, Noam, are you familiar with the Alga Miner? I have not heard of the Alga Miner, no. What about Flippin? Has he heard of it? Have you ever heard Flippin? Have you ever heard of it? Okay, no. He I, no, not, I no. had neither, but I'm starting to feel like I'm an idiot. Yeah, this is a problem. It's a big thing. Yeah, in the face of everything we saw on October 7th, we should all know where our Jewish media is. Well, especially me and Noam, because we're Jewish. This is a very yes. popular Jewish media, what, magazine? or? Yeah, it's a paper. They... They they break a lot of a lot of really good stories. No, it's it's a really good paper, and I think in general we are lacking when it comes to having people on our side reporting the facts, but also being able to stand with Israel proudly. Well, what should we media. read? Should we read the Jewish Voice? Like, what's a good? You should read everything. No, that's not everything. Out there. Yeah, you should read as much as possible. How about the New York Times? They hate us. Honestly, you're not going to love this. Or we've talked about this. I watch The View every single day. Oh, my God. Will you stop telling really, people that? You need to this know. This is why I get hate mail about you. <laughs> Tell that. 
You know what's funny about uh, Liz Pipko? I'll get back to your, your, uh, your horrible viewpoint in a second. But when she was on uh, the Fox and Friends on yesterday morning, I saw you on TV, you know. Right. And the scroll at the bottom of the screen uh, described you as a model and an activist. And I laughed because the last time I was on Jesse Waters, my scroll read model and, and radio host. <laughs> So you clearly copied that from me. I did. I actually told the Jesse Waters people. I was like, just copy what you, have, whatever you had for Sid. I'm the same. Oh, you're going on Jesse Waters tonight. I should be. They could still cancel, but I should be. Who are, Who do you deal with over there? I don't know if I should talk about them. No, don't, don't say it. Fine. Uh, so what was your viewpoint going to be? No, I was just saying I watch The View every single day. But why? They hate I, you. They really do hate you. I don't know. I, I don't want to they think don't, they uh, hate They have a me. vagina just like you. That's the only thing you've got in common. You've got vaginas. <laughs> they hate you. I feel like it's important to know the, the wide spectrum of views. No, that's fine. You know? You, know, you know, it is good to know what the enemy is thinking. <laughs> I is don't that... know if I look at them as the enemy. No, they're not the enemy. No. Whoopi Goldberg loves you. She loves uh, people who like Trump and people to the right. I she loves you. I think Joy and I would be best friends. Joy is I will the... die on Joy... this hill. Let me say this. Joy oh is God. the biggest C word in the history oh of television. <laughs> she is the most repulsive repugnant woman to ever, ever put her ugly face on television. A Palestinian sympathizer. And she is a Palestinian She's not. No, she's actually, she's been incredible for Israel this week. They've been, they've all been actually very surprising oh, oh, well, well, that's great. Well, Good for them. Ooh, yay. She's disgusting. <laughs> this is going to be our biggest feud ever, said the Joy Behar feud. Well, and if you tell me you like Sonny Hostin, you'll leave the studio right now. She and I would, I think, have less of a good time. Okay, good. But you, but Joy Behar, that's your I girl. really, I, yeah. I do enjoy her, yeah. What do you enjoy about her? I mean, she's just... She's stupid. I don't think we'd agree on a lot of things. But oh, she's I, stupid. again, for 80 years old, I think she looks good. I think she's funny. Looks good. Oh, my for God. Eight, you she think, looks like she should be on more. Would you yeah. think she was 80? I think she looks great for her age. She looks 80. I don't think she looks 80. It's a good time for her Halloween. <laughs> yeah, I hope when I'm 80, I'm also on the number one, oh, you, you know, know, rated... Oh, maybe TV Morning show. show or... Two, what is it? Daily it's a, show? It's a, it's a daytime. Daytime, yeah. Number the, one nobody, daytime Nobody show. watches no. There's a couple of million people to watch, honestly, in a country yeah. that's got, you know, it's it's, it's, it's a lot bigger than uh, how many people watch True. that show. It's stupid. You hope when you're 80, you look like Joy Behar. You won't be back on uh, Mademoiselle, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> what was the last magazine cover you did? You haven't done Vogue yet. No, I haven't done Vogue you yet. Did, uh, no, you did a big one, though, last year. Um, no, I did Harper's Bazaar. Harper's Bazaar, That was yeah. a f- two years ago. I promise I you, if you look like uh, Joy Behar... They're not going to call you back. That, most likely. She Even might, 30 years ago when she was, she when she was a big first. comedian. <laughs> Imagine if she gets on before Liz. <laughs> yeah. But listen, forget about them. You, you happen to be one of the most pro-Israel, and you're very Jewish. I mean, you, you're an observant Jew. You, you keep kosher. You, um, you observe the Sabbath. Every Jewish holiday, you, you actually observe all of them, right? From yeah, Sukkot I mean, to... I try my best. Some are easier than others, but yeah, we try. And, and your husband was not Jewish, if I'm correct, Darren, right? He was not, no. So did he convert? He did. He did. He did so a... your husband did what Donald Trump's daughter did. Right. I, I, I wasn't around during her conversion, but I was told she also did like a very, very thorough, committed, orthodox conversion. Well, how was how was his conversion, your husband? It was one of the hardest experiences of our lives. Did he have to get a bris? <laughs> you know, Steve Yeager, the former all-star catcher for the Dodgers, married a Jewish woman at the age of 39, uh-huh. and had a bris at the age of 40. Jeez. And you know that every catcher in Major League Baseball now wears a guard around their neck mm-hmm. because at one point when Yeager was the catcher for the Dodgers, some guy's bat actually broke by hitting the baseball, and splinters from the bat ended up in his neck. And he said that wasn't nearly as painful <laughs> as the moil. <laughs> <laughs> True story.
story. Tell me this right there. We're, we're, we're at the uh, Pomona Raceway in, in Southern California, me and Scott Kaplan. He said, I will take those splinters in my neck over the rabbi doing that to my penis any day of the week. Just so you know. So did Darren have to go through that horror for you? Darren was luckily already circumcised. Oh, okay. <laughs> He's going to murder me That'll for this conversation. <laughs> no, he did have, they have to, you have to take blood from the area. So there is something you're supposed to do. And what, what do you do with double Like rub it over your face or something or run around? And... <laughs> you're, you're, you're really helping the anti-Semites right now. So. Yeah, you're right about that. I will take a short break. Stop come Like this song just in, the day after the Jets beat the Eagles. This is just for you to make you even more miserable. Oh, it's working. What do you do? It's got electric moves. Darren checks in, happens to be Liz's husband, and he said, thank you for giving my penis a shout-out. <laughs> he's sitting right next to Donald Trump as he texted. I really hope not. He may be. I mean, he's with the president every day, every day. Speaking of giving shout-outs to penises. <laughs> yeah. And Danielle says uh, the fashion business is loaded with anti-Semites. She said it's not just a pattern in that industry. It's in schools, private, public, state-funded streets everywhere. And she's right. Which is scary. Anyway, it's been a, a great show today. Really great. The guest list was as good as it gets on a Monday morning. Alex Trayman, Curtis Sliwa, Rich Lowry, Dove Heikend, Mark Levin, Lee Zeldin, Brett Bear, and Elizabeth Pipko. You guys were great. Lewis, tremendous job today. Justin Ellick is always great. Noam Layden and uh, Jim Flippin, too. I like him. I'll throw him in the closing. Why not? We're going to do it again tomorrow, as my driver Gene says. God willing, we'll all be back at 6 a.m. tomorrow morning. So for all of us... On sitting friends in the morning to all of you on this Monday in New York City. Please be safe. And again, we close with these three words. Pray for Israel.